silver in the sun. If you see me coming, you had better run, run, run from Jared Doom. From Jared Doom. From Jared Doom. From Jared Doom. Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 235, and it's me, Gary P, and of course it's the prof, Carl Willey. In unfamiliar surroundings, yeah, or familiar from years ago. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, but um, it's the 70 show today, we're recording in the four provinces, the first time in 84 years, and we have two special guests, it's John Bourne and Martin Moore. You're very welcome, lads. Thanks for asking us. Cheers. Good to be here. In the familiar surroundings of the four provs, upstairs, Rover's room as it's been christened. It's been a long time though. Um, they, they're very good to us, big shout out to the four provs, they're very good, they look after us every chance we get. Actually, our green ribbon because it's so popular as well, Prof didn't even have our own beer. <laughs> That's your star and you're sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a was talking off air, we were saying this is where our first player of the year awards was and yeah. I actually can't believe how many people we got in this room. I don't think the lads even believe us that uh, we fit that many. Well, in. we had the four in a row here. Yeah. We had most of our fours team. Everyone from Crumlin. We everyone from Crumlin. We nearly. Razor and four players. It was a crazy night. It really was. Fire marshal would have shut the place down. <laughs> yeah. So uh, very welcome, lads, and um, the seventy show. Yeah, seventy show today, Gar. So we're recording in the four provinces for the first time in nearly four years. As you say, it's John and Martin. Have you ever been here before, lads, or even when it was the Black Horse? Downstairs, a couple of times the last couple of seasons, we've gone up after games and had a few points downstairs. And the second year we won the league in 2021, 10 or 12 of us were downstairs, and there was a bit of a thing upstairs. So as I said, just looked in the door and went, nah. <laughs> Straight back down again. <laughs> yeah, I've never been here before. Yeah. John's never been. I even brought my passport with me just yeah. in case. Through <laughs> <laughs> north yeah. As soon as I came up to them, they were like, now are we in Kimmage or in Crumlin? <laughs> but uh, any familial links to the hotbed of talent, a.k.a. Crumlin? Uh, not for me. I think John John's side's there. Mm. Well, it's friends and family more than anything else. Mm. Just, my mother has, mm. uh, well, had one of our best friends it's from around here, Carl Broad. It's, I yeah. don't know whether that's... It's that Terran Euro now. Do we, we're not going to get into this no, debate we're because not, we're not going there. We, yeah. we could be here all day. Kimmage isn't even a real place. Presumably it depends on whether you're buying or selling. Really. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Add the, add the W onto the six. That's it. Uh, yeah, so we're only 60 followers away from 2,000 on Twitter, prof. So follow us at East End Pod if you don't. And if you're look, the lucky 2,000 follower, there might be a prize in it for you. Um, <laughs> are we going to mention the war here? Unless it's James Lowell, then he'll, yeah. he'll never get his prize. Uh, so you were bottom Ringos in memoriam last year, and uh, John, you did your tribute song, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, I, I yeah. took an awful lot of drugs that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying you were going to have to pour yourself a drink to listen to it, and you anticipated a long but cathartic night. So was it? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it, the, the whole thing. What I love about doing something like that is, is it, it it brings memories, and um, one thing I've noticed, unfortunately. I've lost a lot of people over the years. Yeah. But uh, after a while, what used to make you sad actually cheers you up and you get a warm glow. So it's just nice because I, I just thought it was a good way of celebrating Ringo's life and the madness <laughs> within. I, I think you stole the show in fairness. I thought, Martin, I absolutely loved your uh, tribute again. Again, you obviously you remember doing that one. Yeah, which for Ringo. For Ringo. Yeah, 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 it was just, you know. Um, the thing that made me laugh was... Uh, 
the amount of other people who happened to mention, I oh, was always arguing with Martin Merle again, it was true. Myself and Ringo just argued all <laughs> the time. All the time. You know? Now, when you say argue, do you mean like heated discussions? <sighs> no, he would actually he'd scream at you. He was just... <laughs> the thing about it is we, we basically... Especially about music and things like that. Like, you yeah. know, I always I said actually in the tribute that there were only three things we ever agreed on. And that was the Beatles. There was a Vincent Price film called Theatre of Blood and Shamrock Rovers. And we disagreed on everything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about Ringo is like, you know, everybody else, everybody else is 11. Yeah. It says three or four in terms of the martial amp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember um, talking to... But we do miss him though. Oh, know, terribly, yeah. Terribly, yeah. yeah. It's the world's such a duller place without him. Yeah. I remember Ray Wilson was home that week that we had aired the tribute to to Ringo and he was telling me that he was barred from nearly every pub in Dublin or nearly every quiz night. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you just clean house was, when all of them. Just there, I was at a quiz with him one night in the teachers' club and it was supposed to be a fun quiz, which, God help us, you know. <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there was a question. <laughs> no, and Ringo's there. <laughs> there was a question about the play that, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, um, the BBC did a version of the song Perfect Day where they had all these singers singing. I remember that, yeah. Bono was in it, I think, in Westlife. But they had this... Um, Charity gig, wasn't it? Yes. They had this uh, English opera singer and they, they played the track and he said, who's the opera singer? And we didn't know. And next minute your man says, oh, that's Pavarotti, which it clearly wasn't, you know. And I was about to turn yeah, around. Yeah, you see that English, no? <laughs> I was about to turn around and say, excuse me. And next minute a chair went over my head <laughs> <laughs> and hit the stage. Ringo picked up his chair and threw it at the stage. <laughs> Because you're a disgrace. But that was one of the things actually in in my tribute to Ringo was I mentioned the uh, the soccer writers. He used to he used to, I used to bring him as my guest to soccer writers annual bash oh, yeah. because he loved the quiz. And uh, as I said in the piece, the, we won one year, and Ringo was up in the chair giving it two <laughs> fists in the air. Darren Maloney's going. Jesus, calm down there, lads. You know, <laughs> he used to come into quiz, music quizzes uh, late with, with his team. I was on a couple of the teams actually, and uh, there's no quiz without Brazil. Yeah, there's no. It's, not, it's like I'm the World Cup without Brazil. Like, yeah, funny enough, a lot of people hate them because of the game. I don't mention uh, Spock's mother. Wasn't that one of the big ones about that? Uh, oh, it's well, oh, you know, Spock from Star could, Trek. Right. If you ha- well, if you have time for this one, uh, yeah, we were in the music quiz and. It was me, him, and the two other lads, but he was barred from being in it, and we were all barred because we knew him. And, um, <laughs> barred by association. <laughs> it was a charity yeah. thing, and they did everything to fix it so that we wouldn't win, and we managed to get to a playoff, you know? So the playoff questions were, they played five songs, and there were acts where you had to guess, where you had to tell them where the name came from, you know? So, like, Level 42 was one of them, and their name comes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, I can't remember the other ones, but one of the questions, one of the songs was Shine In Your Hand by Tapau. Now, Tapau is a Star Trek thing, you know? And Tapau is, uh, I think she's a she's a Vulcan priestess or something like that, you know? So anyway... Fox Mars, But no, that's, oh, the, that's, where oh, the pro- right. that's where the problem arose. Mm-hmm. But they said to us, now listen, don't write down huge answers. Just write a one-word answer or a two-word answer. So we just said, look, we'll just put down Star Trek, you know? Yeah. So anyway, and uh, well, they both got four right, but uh, question three, trying in your hand by Tapau, uh, table one or whatever, which was us, said Star Trek, and the other team said Star Trek, she was Spock's mother. So we'd give it to them, and they won, and Ringo just lost it completely. <laughs> like, she isn't definitely Spock's mother, but he told me she was a priestess, so we didn't put it down, because he said you could only use one. He actually had the question about with throat at one stage. 
So they get, I said, look, we're not going to get anything. They didn't want us in the quiz. So Remember, this made, is for charity. Yeah, this is for charity. It's for Nicaragua <laughs> or something like that. And he's strangling the quiz master. But he had a column in the Herald uh, TV review, and he continued to row on the following Friday. Uh, this is actually Star Trek. This is actually about Tepeu, who was actually a priestess, not effing Spock's mother, as some people this think. This is in the article? This is yeah. in the article, yeah. 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 So a bad loser, but a, a good bloke. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys are the quiz masters of... Or, sorry... Uh, Martin, you're the quiz master with Just Amazing yeah. of the George Burr Memorial Quiz Night. John, how do you typically fare in those? I don't. I, I don't like quizzes. No. no. No interest. Zero. We did a Glemalore one there recently and I... Uh, I was barred from that, actually. And mm-hmm. Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were barred from all those quizzes, yeah. That's the main reason why we're the quiz masters because Joe's, uh, when we originally had the idea of a sports quiz... And, and, and I didn't really want I wanted a general knowledge one because I didn't want to ask GAA questions in Ringo's name because he'd probably get out of that orn that he's in and but everyone was ringing up the club and going it's just amazing isn't it? it's just amazing because <laughs> they yeah. wanted to know otherwise it'd be wasting their time going up but, so yeah. they made us the question masters yeah. I was hoping you'd have a funny story about having a player as a teammate because Every, every time I speak to someone about the quiz they'll say oh yeah I had Joey O'Brien or I had such and such a player my favourite is Robbie Gaffney, who played in the 70s, who will come up today. And he had Gavin Bazoon as a teammate. This is when Gavin only broke in yeah. in 2018. And he just goes to me, Oh, Prof, thank God he's good at football. Because he's hopeless at quizzes. Hopeless. There's a funny one, actually, about Gavin being on the team. I, 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 yeah, I'm seven Joes will buzz. The three is always buzz, does, does the read out the questions, me and Joes do the questions. But I was marking them one year, and I noticed Gavin's team was right in front of me. And he was only about 16 or something at the time, you know, and he looked really, really young, you know. But one of the questions was, um, which video game, since it was, uh, which is the biggest selling video game of all time, it was invented in 1984 and it's been on hundreds of different platforms. And the answer is Tetris, yeah. But the casting one asked which video game, and the rest of the team just looked at Gavin and went, come on. Like, he's <laughs> video a kid, he's a kid, he must know yeah. video games. <laughs> and he was sort of, I don't know. <laughs> Have you got any plans to... Is it on this year? Is it? Um, it was. There was a talk of it earlier. I see. When they have it, like they, they always want to have it before the season, you know. And um, it, there was talk of it this year, but we kind of. If it's not the three, it was myself, Buzz, and Joe's. Like Buzz, Buzz is away at the time. I, I'll be honest with you. You know yourself. I don't think it'd be the same without Buzz there because he kind of makes the night, you know. Yeah. So there was, but we hope to have one anyway. Like it normally was in. It used to be always in February, I think, before the season started. And like. They always wanted um, the players to be able to have a few drinks and everything like that. It wasn't yeah. sort of immediately before a game and all that kind of thing, you know. But uh, geez, it wouldn't be like that in the seventies. They'd be all locked if he was doing <laughs> yeah, it then. Yeah, you know? yeah. Could have had the quiz at half but, time um, and those well, like, it's, it's a big thing now, I think, for a lot of them. You know, it's very competitive among the players. I think, you know, and that yeah. kind of, you know, I know Joey was the the main man Joey there. Was the man. Yeah. Very, very competitive. Yeah, very, but very good too. Yeah, um, John, you're in the entertainment in industry with RTE uh, purely for entertainment. The three telegames so far. How would you describe them? Uh, well, actually, I, I I mentioned that to Stephen Bradley there last week. Oh, yeah? You couldn't but be entertained yeah. by the fair. In all fairness, you know, you'd rather see three absolutely dire 1-0 wins for overs than be entertained. But they have been excellent games. The court game was just fantastic. I mean, that was like I was saying, we, we were saying last week's show, we weren't worried. We're not worried yet because we, we feel like we're playing well. Yeah. Mm. We're conceding. We are scoring. But I think you made a point off air as well that... Um, we're going to ask you are you worried yet but we made a point off here saying that you don't know where our goals are going to go from you yeah, come from you reckon times yeah if shells look like we could have been there all night which I don't scored. agree with to be honest yeah shells oh we are scoring goals but like 
Shells away. It's yeah, I'll be more like concerned that. about the other round. Of well, they're letting in, yeah. You know, clean sheets. You know, I'm what? a great believer in Daz. What has happened? Yeah. Winning the league. Yeah. We're yeah. conceding two goals per game, so we need to score three to win. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Issue. If you're not conceding, you only need one goal to win. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of sometimes when the ball goes into the box and there's a flurry, we never seem to get a toe in. It always seems to get cleared. We but it's just, it just seems to be one of those we years where... The cliche, Gary Twig. Yeah, wrong. Gary Twig type player. We literally there. talked yeah. about this yeah. recently, and we were saying we just wanted. I don't care if it hits off here. I believe Mickey and yeah. goes in. It just hasn't been dropping for us. But on the other side of it, every one of those has dropped for teams against yeah. us. Yeah. The two court goals yeah. to go four two up. They were just terrible goals, and they were hitting mm. off people left, right, center. The Brennan goal out and dropped it. It hit off Richie Tell, hit off someone's yeah, leg, yeah. and then they buried it. We're not he, getting any of them. I want the scruffy goal. And yeah. then you combine it with the city stuff, like the other red cards and all that. I know. You know it's it been mental. It's been a mental start to the like, season. And then at least we've got two very handy games coming up now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say, John, because like, I'm not worried that we haven't won a game, won any of the first six games. I'm worried that we had a favourable fixture list and we've not won any of those six. Yeah. Mm. And now we have hard games coming up after this. That worries me. Yeah, the other side of it is, though, if we win our next two games, everybody's gone. I know, uh, yeah. yeah. I know. I was actually listening to the Dundalk uh, podcast, believe it or not. It's the, I think it's called The Men Who Save Football. Mm. And it's, it's it's very informative. They're talking about how they're playing and they reckon that creatively they're terrible. But they have a fellow called Tulloch who they got on loan from Tulloch, West Brom yeah, and yeah, they're saying the he's unbelievable. Yeah. He's any championship level. But they're brilliant at the back, he's saying. And they're rock solid. So, <laughs> so they're great at the back. This is a nil all written all yeah. over it next week <laughs> on a fucking plastic pitch. So that's that's what we're looking at. But they are they're, they're mm. um, very fond of Stephen O'Donnell. Mm. They love him. They're backing him all the way. But it's interesting to get other people because I said I'd never listen to another podcast from a fan's perspective yeah. from any other club. But it's cool to hear their thoughts on how mm. they feel genuinely as well. Especially the week before us and the week exactly. after us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you can see the way it's gone? I think this season's going to be really interesting because by UCD, everybody else is at least. Very well organised. Like, I remember going, yeah. I went to see Shells and Rada on the opening Friday night uh, because Rada was around playing that Friday oh, night. We were on Saturday, yeah, and we Saturday, um, I mean, Shells could have been there for a year and you knew they weren't going to score. Um, but Rada were so well organised. And you think they're kind of like the favourites to be in the, the playoff place. Yeah. And it's going to be tricky against them. So if they're yeah. the worst of the top nine, it's going to be really it's competitive. It's the hardest league in years to predict who will mm. finish second bottom. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm still confident. I'm confident going mm. into it. Yeah, but who's going to finish second behind Rovers? Though? <laughs> <laughs> the premise of the show, Prof. Give the, the fans. premise of the show. Well, we've never done a 70 show before, and I just feel like we've done a 60 show. We had uh, McLeish and Paddy Mulligan. I think there's a reason why in my gap. we didn't do a 70 yeah. show. So we had it was all barren, the, wasn't it? Yeah, we had the six in a row of FBI Cups. We've had a lot of the 80s legends on. We've had the two Burns, several players from that favorite team, from that uh, famous team we've had on. 94 league win. We talked about relegation in 2005. Never really talked about the 70s. We've had Alan O'Neill, Robbie Gaffney, Noel Sinner on the show, Mick Cook. But uh, I wanted to get deep into it, Gar. Yeah. Deep so, into the, the, the most grim period in the club's history. The only year we ever finished bottom of the table. Even 2005, you didn't finish bottom. Can I just put in here that um, <laughs> I, I think the 70, and I agree with you, it was awful. Although I think statistically, probably the 2000s, the 90s are probably our worst decade ever because we won nothing. Mm. We did win three trophies yeah. in the 70s, like, yeah. And I can yeah. honestly say, when we won the League Cup in 76, it was the first thing I'd ever seen Rovers win. Yeah. It was 
it was first trophy you've ever saw Rovers and I'd been yeah. going seven years at that stage yeah. you know because mm. like, we basically both of us really tired to go to Rovers at, at, when we completely troughed when we were just yeah. awful I mean I was proud <laughs> as a kid but I I don't really remember it I yeah. didn't just yeah. really Barville and Crisps and <laughs> my earliest actually my earliest memory was in the, I think it was around about mid 60s when Rovers beat Bowles 7-0 and I felt sorry for Bowles I remember asking my brother why won't Rovers let Bowles score a goal wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice? John was 28 then, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to be delving into all sorts of 70s culture here and the flares mm. and the, the fashion of the terraces then as well. Yeah, we can yeah, talk yeah. about that. But New Year's 1970. I'll start with you, John. you remember mm. where you were? 1970. 1970. Um, let's see now, 1970. I remember being in Milltown in 1970. Yeah. Uh, Everton were first division champions, That's right, as it was then. And they came over to play Rovers in Milltown. And, um, and who were the big names on that team? Alan Ball was the Alan big Ball. guy. Joe Royal would have been playing then. Um, I remember Alan Ball taking the corner and I was like, oh, there's one of these guys off the telly. He, he's a World Cup winner. And he, he wiped his brow with the Rovers corner flag. And that was me finished with Alan Ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you come to Rovers. And he had a jersey got, on as well, so he didn't wipe with the jersey. Yeah, it was oh, kind of like, you know. That was a bit of a dig. Was that 2-0? Yeah. Was that 2 old? No, that was 4 2 Mm-hmm. The two hours a year later, yeah, seventy one. Because this is back when Everton were the Irish club in Liverpool. Yeah, that's um, mm. yep, a good pal of ours yeah. in the job. Anto Matthews, season ticket holder, goes over, know, and, and then yeah. Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool started winning trophies, and then people realised that oh no, Liverpool are the Irish club. <laughs> in yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you were ten, was it, John? I would have been ten, yeah. So uh, where are you at this point, Martin? Well, in um, I just. Being to my first game in Milltown, I, uh, funny enough, for the seventies, my very I got right in at the fag end of the sixties. December sixty nine was the first game was ever a game in Milltown, and uh, I think actually I was saying to John earlier, sixty nine is a is kind of a significant year for a lot of men of a certain age who were boys at the time, because sixty nine was the year that Shoot magazine first came out, and wow. I think that that pushed an awful lot of kids into really loving football, mm-hmm. especially when you get the league ladders and that kind of thing, you know, and collect them, so. Both of us actually became kind of pretty obsessive about football with this, and there's magazines like Scorcher and all them yeah. comics, which we. Scorcher was a football comic. Yeah. Which came out in I think it was it was early 1970 anyway, yeah. and I thought it was brilliant. Billy's Boots, I think everybody's heard of Billy's Boots. So that's that's where it came from. <laughs> but I was similar now. I, I had a. I think me and the prop were the same. We grew up together, so we we'd always buy like world soccer, and that was a little bit more. Mm. That that was as we got older into yeah. our teens, mm-hmm. but before yeah. that, it was shoe. It yeah. was but that's the score. thing. It was yeah. but, but shoot was kind of like an entry level. That was like yeah. cannabis, wasn't it? Was it was goal as well. Or soccer's <laughs> more. That's, that's crack cocaine. Shoot was the it, cannabis yeah. of the football well, magazine. Was, well, goal, goal was more like methadrine or something. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing, like, and, but the thing but, about it was, but the, you knew that once you got into world soccer, you had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But there was it no was life, taking over your life. There was no live football on TV, so you really, if you want to see football, you had to go out and see it. Like there was the only League of Ireland game that would be on all year live on RTE would be the. The, the cup final yeah and there was a, there was always a Sunday night sports show on RTE where if there was a big game on they'd show about 10-15 minutes as well John was around that yeah something, yeah something like that yeah so I was dying to go to a game so uh, just going into why I'm a Rovers fan because over the years I've got so much stick about being an art side you know and following Rovers as John has uh, I can say that I come from a mixed marriage you know my father it's a south sider from Sing Street my mother is where I live now Bally Bucket from there and all her family were all Drumcondra fans and my father well, he went to Rovers when he was a kid, so it was a Rovers side of the family. So my cousin, who Martin Nolan, who's still a good hoop, still goes to Rovers now, told me dad that he'd bring me to a game. 
And so I was told about two weeks in advance, uh, Rob was playing Cork Cubs, such and such a date, and Martin's bringing you. And I was beside myself with excitement. I couldn't wait. I was 10 years old. And I remember the Friday, and that year, I think, it was in the Waterford Rovers and Cork Cubs were kind of fight like. Mm. The whole thing about the bowls and everything, we could go into that later on. The bowls thing only started in the 70s, really. When we started yeah, going, the two big teams team. were mm. uh, Waterford and Cork Cubs. They were the two teams yeah, you, and had, you had to beat. Big Dublin Royals. That was in the fifties, really. So the, yeah. the just on a side note, the collapse of drums. How how big was that? It what, kind of year, they were they that? were seventy two, wasn't it? Yeah, seventy two. But they, was there, it, they, it, they were it, fading it away. Gradual. They were fading it away. Gradual, I mean, in nineteen sixty five, they were champions and they played Bayern Munich in the European Cup, which sounds hopelessly romantic yeah. now. Yeah. But mm. when you think about it, seven years later, they were gone. Mm-hmm. Um, had they a fan base? Had they a big fan base? They, they used to, yeah. Like, yeah, but it just disappeared. Bertie Hare was a drums fan, as he always mentioned. Then they yeah. with Home uh, Farm. Eamon Dunphy. Yeah. But my well, family, Home Farm actually bought them out. Okay, oh, yeah. okay. The, okay. the drums were owned by the Pro family. I can't remember now whether Sam they were. Sam Yeah, Sam Prowl, yeah. They, like, they were, uh, he gave the money away to the church or something like that, didn't he? Or some strange... Well, the Quakers, like maybe. Yeah, there something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they made, they made you know, oats and... Breakfast cereal, things like that. And John, your first game, you've told me this a couple of times, uh, I really enjoyed this, your first game at Robbers. You mean the 1962 FAI Cup final? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure if it actually was my first game, but I was informed that I was there that day. (laughs) I was quite young at the time, I would have been two. Yeah, Robbers and and Shells in 1962, I was two at the time. Obviously, I've no memory of it, but my older brother told me that I was there. And um, that was back in the days before disposable nappies, of course. <laughs> and uh, apparently on the way into Daily Mount, little Johnny did a whoopsie <laughs> on his daddy's shoulders. <laughs> and my dad, there was no way he was leaving the cup final. Now, so, I don't think it was a, it was a boy's decision to put you on his shoulders. The day of the cup final. Yeah. I have to say, that's the only time I've crapped myself in front of 32,000 people. <laughs> You've still got time to go, don't worry. Ah, well, I've been working on it. It's the punchline I was waiting for there. Yeah, so the plan, We're leaving the 70s here, and the New Year's 1980 as well. So where were you physically and in your life? So it was 1980, we're talking about 1980. Or we do that actually at the end. We do that at the end, yeah. So we're going to read from Robert's book there. That's the plan. Right, so Robert's book. So reminder to get second edition in the club shop. Should be, is it in the weekend? Was, was it on Twitter? Um, yes, it's going up in the next couple of days. Either way, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be available. You can get it on Amazon anyway. So much so, so that John wouldn't let us use it as a microphone stand. He, <laughs> well, I, I can uh, appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do. Definitely He's more concerned about any beer stains or dirt on the table, which is, which is fair. So, leading into 1970, Gary, where are we here? Right, the league welcomed two extra clubs this season as previous members Athlone Town and new boys Finn Harps from Donegal proudly took their places so um, was that a jump from junior football for them? Can yeah, you remember? It was, it was, yeah. it was yeah. a jump from yeah, junior football so. Well for Harps it would have been a but huge, Robert's huge yeah. jump Robbers beat them 10-0 or something like that 10-2, 10-2, 10-2 wasn't in it? the yeah. Dublin City Cup and there were things like in the Donegal papers an absolute mistake Harps should just cut the losses and go now you know Mikulish got five yeah last time until Berkey did it against Cork yeah. Um, so 10-2 it's kind of shades of Kerry isn't it 9-1 yeah. I think ultimately like a, Kerry have a great thing going on and it's brilliant for the league I think I'd love to see likes of Mayo I'd love to yeah. see other, other yeah, yeah. areas like that kind of do this Wexford but, I think Wexford need a team as well yeah you know? yeah, but they, they really need to stick at it I think that's the thing it's going to take yeah it must be so difficult years like even now it's still Dublin and the Garrison Town Dublin Cork and the Garrison Towns yeah 
and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. here we are, a hundred years on, still the same. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like a few years after this, Harps were finishing the top three. They should have won the cup. And then by '74, they won the cup. So after that, they won the cup. Yeah, '74. Four, four years later. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Because I remember seeing seeing someone getting uh, chucked through the, the window in Cleary's on <laughs> <in the> Street. <laughs> After that cup final, there was, there was more than a concert between Pats and Finn Harps fans. As, as Martin was saying to me on, on the way out, like the 70s were very violent. Very, very violent. Very violent. And that wasn't mm. an offshoot of the Troubles? or No, it was, it was just, just a, nut jobs in Dublin, basically. Yeah, nut jobs yeah. in Dublin. But, like, yeah. but I thought the 70s supposed to be full of love and peace. And That's the 60s. But yeah. <laughs> well, you have to remember, the 20th century didn't hit Ireland until about 1988, yeah. you know? It, it, like the thing, actually, when you, when you said about 70s and the, what we were going to talk about, the first thing that sprang into my mind was basically operatic violence at games. Like, you know, it was just, you'd go to, especially down the country, you'd go to games down, we can go into it a bit later on, but I think now, like, violence in football matches is a consenting adults thing. It's bunches of young lads who want to beat the shit out of each other yeah. and do it. Whereas, John will tell you, back in the day, if you go down the country, it was, not only if you were in Rovers colours, if you had a Dublin accent, you were a target. Yeah. <laughs> it's remember that, that, that um, Limerick is that, that singer who wrote a song about League of and violence. Everybody was kung, kung fu, fu <laughs> But the thing about the, 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 you got the old trick of the, the, you got the right time there, you know, trying to hear your accent and all this. Like, then you'd be pointing to your watch, doing the harpo mark, and sort of all this, yeah. like, you know. But yeah. I think even the fact they had a watch sort of indicated you were from Dublin yeah. anyway. I think they were using sundials or something. It was kind of weird back then because once they heard a Dublin accent, it was like it turned into the night the living dead, you yeah, know. They were just, oh. It's just what the fuck, you know. We, what we used to Hello, joke. that was it. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember in Limerick they used to the women used Limerick, to be, at, I was used to be at, the, at the front doors? No, there was one that we always Get said about. the Dublin, you Jackie and Bass. And we go, oh, Boiling the kettle. I suppose a cup of tea There were three types of welcoming committee. We'd always, for example, We'd always go by trains to matches because because uh, that's another we'd go into that a bit later. Mm-hmm. We always went by trains, just the special but, um, trains. They weren't even that special. Like, yeah. <laughs> just no seats in them. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was the tar- that was only on the way back. There Martin. were types who they would had meet seats you on the way down. They'd meet you in the town. There were there, there were one level. That was usually Sligo or something like that. Yeah. Then there were the ones who'd meet you at the train station. That was probably Dundalk and a few of them. This is like a video game. So and, yeah. level boss, and then, then the, the, boss the, the level the boss was Limerick. <laughs> the where, level where boss. They, because they'd be on the train tracks as you were coming yeah. into the station throwing bricks at the, at the train, you know. That's the highlight of our week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, didn't that happen one year in Limerick that the, the train actually ended up stopping outside the station? Oh, yeah, that's right. Didn't yeah. even get into the station. Because they were waiting on the tracks. And there's pitch battles on the yeah. tracks. Like the call from Jim Conroy we have from the 73 three replays. There was serious rioting before, during, yeah. and after the game yeah, of Limerick. I yeah. listened back to it. But they didn't want to leave anybody out, you know? Yeah. I listened back to it, right? And I said to the prophet, I said, did he say rioting or rioting? The serious rioting going before? I said, what type of match Actually, was that? Yeah. You could be onto something here, Gary. I, I, I reckon there was probably too much rioting and not enough rioting back there then. You go, that was yeah. the problem. So, so 19th of October 1969, Frank O'Neill was appointed player coach following the dismissal of Arthur Fitzsimons, who paid a heavy price for the hoops, not qualifying for the semi-finals of the Shield, which is something that doesn't exist anymore, isn't it? Shields. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzsimons had not been given the support and uh, as been promised by the directors. So we did beat Schalke 2-1 in the Cup Winners' Cup uh, under Fitzsimons in the first leg, but beaten 3-0 in the second the leg. Right, so. nobody saw the yeah. fog night. The fog, yeah. 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 There was major fog at in the yeah. Attica. Oh, the goalkeepers couldn't see anything until the player was approaching the box. I know someone who didn't actually know who was at the game. He didn't know the result till they bought the Origin Independent the next day. <laughs> yeah. That is a fact. Yeah. Walking out, what score was that? Yeah, it was. I believe yeah, it was really yeah. bad. Yeah, Fitzsimons died. I think it might have been two years ago. 
interesting character. He managed Libya at one point, and he's he he's, he's a Dubliner. Yeah, very unusual at the time for for an Irish manager to got a broad. What is Libya and Ireland? Remember the Pats and Bowls thing? There was a Pats, Pats and Bowls uh, selection went over to play Libya. Oh, this this documentary about oh, Brian really? Kerr's yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, probably trying to recruit players like Pat's most recent failed jaunt to Pakistan. Yeah. That it's didn't prob- work. It's probably an IRA connection in there as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an Eamon Zayed connection too. Yeah. Uh, 22nd of October, Paddy Mulligan packed his bags and headed to London at the sign of a Chelsea. The transfer deal was worth £17,000. £17,500. So today's money, what are we talking? Oh God, I don't know. Uh, just days earlier, Mulligan had been expected to sign for Everton, but the deal fell through, so off to London. Yeah, he went on to play man. for Crystal Palace and West Brom. Ends up returning to Milldown eight years later, and he got 50 caps for Ireland. Paddy's an absolute gent, wasn't he? Yeah, we had him. Two of them together was a joy sitting in the same room with them. They were like an unmarried couple at times, <laughs> yeah. weren't they? They were sitting back and forth, joshing and messing with each other. It was really, really nice between funny, the two of them. Funny part was back then we used to do skits before our monthly madness shows. So we just prepared a little funny thing. To do a cold we open. We thought it was funny. Why don't you think it's funny? It's funny. So that would be the cold open and then the music hits and then you do the show. So there was me putting that together thinking, oh, this will come off great. But poor Mick forgot his glasses. So he was just blagging his way through. <laughs> and they were just arguing with each other about what they were supposed it to was, say. It was brilliant. And it was like Lauren and Hardy. Like, it was bizarre. It was, it was, <laughs> do, you know, do you remember the two old lads? I think it's the Muppets. Two, the two old Stafford and Waldorf. Yes. <laughs> How do you know that? How do you know that name? <laughs> yeah. did, did Paddy tell the Mickle Age Meet and Stevie Wonder story, did he? In he the did, elevator. He, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the yeah. funny thing was, he told that story at Wonder. No, they would use Stevie Wonder still talks they'd about it. They'd, they, they'd have the. Uh, they, they, they did announce the new jerseys. Remember, they used to have a thing up in Tallaght and right. have a dick. So a few of the players were there. And I remember Fergus McCormick was behind me. And Paddy starts telling the story about Mickle uh, meet Stevie one day you can hear Fergus going oh god Paddy please don't go on with this story this is not going to end well and the relief oh thank god I think he was very young at the time Stevie one I think he was a teenager yeah, at the time yeah but he's yeah, yeah. Um, right, 4th of February 1970 Shell's old boy Eric Barber scored against his former club in the FAI Cup fourth round at Milltown but the Reds won 2-1 and brought Rovers record run of 32 games unbeaten in the Cup so that's significant end. that was hugely fourth round how, hugely significant how how much did this blow people's minds? End and of the world. Yeah. It was actually on the front page of papers, not the back page. Because mm-hmm. six years, yeah. That was the end of the world. And it was the season I'd started going, of course. So I thought, I took it personally that I'd done something and wrong. Were yeah. you, you got this game? No. Mm. I, I, I want more. I want more mm. on this game. I want to know how it went, what the vibe was like in the game. Was, you know, from what I know, Jim, I think Jimmy Conroy was... But like, from what I hear, it's just stunned. It's just people mm-hmm. just stunned. The, the whole thing was, as well as that, like, it almost predicted the 70s for the yeah. for Rovers. And it, I think... Like that, that was the start. I think the basis of the Rovers Bowes thing yeah. started yeah. there. Because oh, Bowes oh, won the Cup that year. Yeah. And they, they'd just gone part-time and they suddenly went to this. Yeah, because they were amateurs run. until They got 69. good just yeah, as we got right bad. There. And I think that's a lot to do with it. Yeah. But it was just... Oh, it was huge. Huge news. Yeah. Remember McLeish talking about it and he said they just couldn't accept it. Like, no, this isn't right. We can't, yeah. we can't be out of the cup. Yeah, just yeah. couldn't believe it. Um, we have 5th of April. Long gone were the glory days when clashes between Rovers and Drums had all of Dublin talking about them weeks in advance. Rovers' 5-0 defeat of their old foes at Talca Park was reminiscent of the form shown by the great Milltown teams of the past. Was that the Damien Richardson game, was that? No, that was... That was, that was the last game against them, actually. Yeah. Well, Drum Quandra was now only a pale shadow of the club they were and... 
firmly rooted to the bottom of the table with an outside chance of having to avoid um, applying for re-election to the league. Tell me about this, re-election to the league. What's... Well, we'll come to that in the mid-70s because we had to do that ourselves. We, we used to have it in England. There was no relegation from the fourth division. It was just that whoever finished bottom of the fourth division um, mm. would automatically be re-elected by their mates. You know? yeah. They had to put up. And then I think one year, I think it was Barrow, I think, went out and Hereford came in instead. Mm. They got more votes and suddenly it started happening more regularly. Was that a big thing? Was that... that- well, over here, it's just, I mean, it didn't, I think, I mean, Bo's got the record, actually. Bo's have finished bottom of the, uh, bottom of, 16 of the, of the times table, or more like times that. than anyone else. I like that stuff. Yeah. But there was, yeah. there, there were was more of the stats. The only reason we weren't relegated was because there was nowhere for There's nowhere to go. go. There, was no, yeah. there was no second division or fourth division or whatever, yeah. yeah. Couldn't have got a fourth division yeah. now. So, never relegated, but bottom a lot, yeah. Uh, 12th of April a super run into the end of the season saw Hoops finish in second place in the league behind Waterford uh, consecutive defeats to Sligo and Cork Celtic in January ultimately cost the Milltown side the title um, what about tell me a little bit about Waterford in that era they were they were like, so good they were they really were good, so good yeah. six so, leagues in 8 years basically they won the league and Rovers won the cup yeah Rovers yeah. traditionally were slow starters in the league um, so they seem to be playing catch up Hmm. Except I think there was it was about sixty was it sixty seven or sixty eight I think Rovers won something like the first eleven games. Won the first eleven, yeah, and Waterford still won. And didn't win the league, which is ridiculous. So there's hope probably like this is I mean, this is when there was only yeah. what how many teams were there then? Twelve, was it? Twelve. Twelve, so it was hmm. only like that was half a season. Yeah. And they, they didn't win it. That was Paddy Cowd's first league win for mm. his hometown club. Waterford and the whole thing, I mean, if you think about it, if you yeah. look at Paddy Cowd, but it was actually really Rovers. They're not, they're all not all talking about so much, but that was it. <laughs> Waterford won the great sides ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, 1970 and 71, so the trophies won, okay? LFA President's Cup. That is the one that exists today, isn't it? The mm, same no, different. different? It, 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 no. That was the Leinster Football Association. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that would be it was kind of like the charity shield in England where you get the the champions playing the cup winners, but it would be the teams in Le- in Leinster. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. But, so it's a little and, bit dumbed down. And say say if it, a team from Leinster didn't win the uh, the league, but a team from Leinster mm-hmm. finished second, they they be the team. Yeah, that's okay. that's my memory of it anyway. There was actually one year in the seventies where one of the few times a Dublin club didn't win either of the major trophies. So it was actually between Cork, one of the Corks, and Waterford. Mm. So that was the only President's Cup not com- not contested by mm. Dublin clubs. But then, actually, just another. I'm straying here again, but you've been around to see Cork's demise again and again and again. So what is the what was the thought process? Do you reckon there at the time when when they went bust and you saw it again, they came back with a different name? But like, how many times can you remember that happening? And they, well, like, when they started going, there was Cork Hibs and Cork Celtic, and they were two of the biggest clubs in the country. Oh, and yeah. like, if Especially two of them were going for the league, I remember there was one year, I think, I don't know if it was the year Celtic, Celtic won in 74. 74, yeah. And the Cork Hibs, Cork Celtic, there was one game when there was something like 25,000 out or something like that there. It was a big, big game. But So which one survives Celtic now? Club? Which one is now Cork Forest? Well, well Hibs would have been. Like, Hibs, Hibs were the big club. Right. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of Cork people, actually, what they did was, you know, they'd, uh, they'd be home on alternate Sundays. So you'd be really be a Hibs fan, but you go and watch Celtic yeah. the following week. Really? Yeah, there's a lot of that. But you know what Cork people are like? Yeah. Once Cork's in the name, they behind it. it. Well, yeah. the two grounds, Flower Lodge and, and Turner's Cross. 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 I mean, back then, Turner's Cross was, was basically four hills. Yeah. Was that bad? I was oh, shocking. I yeah, I, I can still remember it being there in 1974. Flower Lodge was a great ground, and, actually. And it just never stopped raining. How far from Turner's Cross? And behind the goal, it was just awful. 
Flower Lodge was. Did we have to get a bus out to Flower Lodge? I think it's the number down, three we? out to Flower Lodge. Yeah, like it's, it's Parky Rin now. Right. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So it's mm. the, the GA. I've got a hold of it. Yeah. Another yeah. land grab. Yeah, it used to be owned by the Ancient Order of Hibernians, AOH. Oh, as so opposed to KOH. Oh. <laughs> um, and they, the GA bought it off AOH and turned it into GA Stadium. Yeah, I mean Cork City. That that was Cork City's original home ground, wasn't it? But there was there was two, of them, and then there was one of them, and then they were both gone, and then Albert Rovers came in, and then they Albert became Rovers. Cork, Cork Alberts, and then it was Cork United again, wasn't oh, yeah. it? And then yeah. I, I haven't checked, but I don't know. What's the origin of the yeah, Alberts? Yeah, actually, I, I think there was one game it was in, in the mid seventies when like um, oh. when when actually one Cork team folded at halftime, and another <laughs> team played the second half. Right, lads, the reserves in. Um, yeah, no, I just find it fascinating for you, go, you guys have been around for the demise ha- of so many. What we could never work out is that the second biggest city in the country couldn't keep a club going. Yeah, like, uh, what hope is there for the rest? You can of the only country, assume yeah. that the people who run a car club at the time ran out of money and just got fed up with the whole thing and went, just walked away. I, I think, unfortunately, now yeah. they are doing good things at the minute, but I the man, the guy who bought them now, I think he's a little bit naive. He was trying to hold um, a forum to oh, so get input yeah, from yeah. supporters how to improve atmosphere. Mm, and he's a dub, and I, I just I don't know. I don't think he got knows what he's getting himself in for with owning a club. And he seems a little bit naive. He did. It. He had the whole thing on on the, the same time kickoff as the ladies' game as well. So he's he's put his foot in his mouth a couple of times. Yeah, have vibe as well. But yeah. we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, so we're trying something a bit different today, Gar. This is our music section. Ooh, so oh, Jesus. Tell us what's happening there, Gar. Yeah. So it is. Uh, we're going to do something for every year of the decade. So uh, selected moments from the music industry, and maybe it'll bring back memories for the two lads or any of our so, older listeners, right? So it's just so, a few 1970. Snippets. Mungo Jerry's in the summertime is the biggest hit of the year. Moondance, Two Little Boys, Spirit in the Sky, Voodoo Chili, and uh, Black Sabbath released their first major albums in every. In the heavy metal genre, me and Prof will be uh, fond of a bit of heavy metal. And Dana wins the Eurovision. Jimi Hendrix dies. And the Beatles split up with mm. Queen. Well, Queen, Aerosmith and Horselips are formed. Mm-hmm. There's actually a League of Ireland connection with Mungo Jerry there. Um, first right. ever rock festival in Ireland was Mungo Jerry uh, headlined and it was in Richmond Park. What? Yeah, yeah. and oh. it was an absolute disaster, I believe. Yeah, I think you get 1,200 people turned yeah. up or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, time it was been Pat's the biggest crowd that season. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get steak for a voodoo child there, Gary. Just a heads up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, voodoo, yeah. voodoo. Yeah, what did I say? Sure. I said chili. chili yeah. Sounds nice. That's yeah. probably what you had earlier on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. <laughs> Just prepare for the backlash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were too polite to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going by the script there, Prof. If you yeah. just want to have a little look, yeah. does say chili, in fairness. <laughs> to be honest with you, if you want us to talk about 70s music, you'd need an eight hour program, really. Yeah, because well, we're, you know, we if George Bourne was here, you can forget about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, 19th of August, so the LFA President's Cup was the least important of all competitions played. But for it was a worthy opener of the season, and they beat Dundalk and Athlone on the way to the final. The Hoops once again won this particular trophy when they beat Drada after a replay. So sometimes it was a tournament from the first round, but then sometimes it was just a final, like you said, John, the two mm-hmm. best clubs mm-hmm. in Leinster. So you'd have seen different league structures, all the different league structures through the years, because I, yeah. I made this point yesterday in our WhatsApp group, I was looking at the Conference League and Wrexham and Notts County are bashing it out at the top, and they're streets ahead of any other team. Yeah. The top two have 94, 91 points, and the other one has 71 points. Yeah. How sick would you be as the second place team to go into a playoff with t- 
teams that are 20 points behind you. So, have you ever... Is there any league format that you hate? Um, the, later than the 70s, um, in the 90s when they had the top six, bottom six, when, and they had a choice, and we, we missed out on it the first year. Just you know, by a couple of games, and um, the second half season was just... But the funny thing was, because we were just so... Uh, we just missed out... And we just went into a tailspin. We could have ended up back getting relegated that year, you know. So top six, bottom six, or break. Top six had a break off, and then they played at mm. each other five games home and away. Similar so that was ninety two, ninety three. Yeah. So the ninety three, ninety four season. My only ambition that season was for us to be finishing the top six, and we won the league. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> mad. Yeah. yeah, that had top six, bottom six. But it was it, it was kind of like getting kicked out of a nightclub yeah. just as things were getting yeah. exciting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get thrown into some shit pub down yeah, the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twenty um, third of August, the hoops got off to a good start in the Shield competition. When they beat Athlone Town three two at St Mel's Park, was Mel's Park a good place for you to go? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> it was fun. It was um, the first a story time, there, lads. There's a fair thing. few stories there. The first yeah, yeah. time I was in St Mel's Park, it just seemed like I was walking through a field, and suddenly I was in a football ground. You know? Yeah, it was just just like something in the middle of the country, you know. But uh, we used to always get hammered down there. Do you remember there was? Played a game down there in the seventies and we were beating four two and I think Pat Don said about three penalties or something like that. We could have let yeah. in about ten. I think that always got me was the little stand up. That's right, the little I mean, stand behind the goal. Like seriously, yeah. you know, you could nearly fit it in your pocket. It was so yeah. small. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so bizarre. And AC Milan played there. I was only looking at photos of it the other day of of uh, stylish Italian gentlemen stepping mm. through the bottles. Yeah, oh, with their loafers. Yeah, with their loafers. Um, yeah, so this particular competition had a special place in the hearts of Shamrock Rovers fans, and it came to Milltown 18 occasions mm. in the past. So but it ends up being uh, defunct in a couple of years now, as we'll get to. Mm. But um, next up, Gary. Yeah, so 17th of September coming on the back of a 4 0 defeat away to Limerick in the Shield. First game in the new Texaco Cup competition saw an injury struck hoops travel north. Record a 4-1 win against Ards at Castlebury Park. This one thing I noticed from the book, I took, I didn't take everything Robert said, I just took out the highlights, but he didn't mention any tr- crowd trouble in these All-Ireland competitions, which I was expecting. I was expecting, you know... You're a very diplomatic man, though, Robert. Possibly. There was a story about a game up there, um, which we we don't hear, we weren't kids, and we heard this back in Milltown about, there was a match, that might have been against Portadown or something like that, and well, part of them would be a likely candidate for you know. But there, was games a, there was a, <laughs> but there was a gentleman used to go to Rovers who was known to a lot of us called Redzer. I don't, I don't oh, know if he's known. He worked as a knife. I, I don't think he's with us anymore. But uh, he was kind of <coughs> one of the main top boys, shall we say? Yeah. yeah. But, but he didn't look like it. Though. No, he was just this red-haired guy who worked for CIE. But there was a story that I think it was against Porter Down that they were surrounded by Porter Down fans, <coughs> and apparently he produced a trumpet. Blew it and went charge and all oh, hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> so how true that was, but this is and we were wow, Redzer did that. <laughs> um, 23rd of September, Mick Lawler played his into made his international debut when Ireland played Poland in a friendly game as well. So he is former Kitman, former Kitman. Am I right? No, this is the striker, Mick, Mick Lawler. Mm. Mick Lawler is the former. Is he not the former? Oh yeah, Kitman. So yeah, became Kitman of Ireland. Um, so just, great, yeah. Do you remember Mick as a player? Yeah, he was a great player. Was he a good player? He was, player, really, really good, he was player, good, yeah. yeah. Was Quite polished, wasn't he, yeah? He was. Do you remember when he came back with Shells in the 70s? Remember, and they mm. were playing us in the cup, and oh, they fancied their chances, but we beat them. Yeah, he's the <laughs> last Rovers player to score in every round of the cup. Oh, yeah, he was He was, he was very proud of that one, actually. Yeah, he got, who got the two goals against Schalke? Was it him? Or was it that was Harry Eric Barber? Barber, 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 Barber yeah. yeah. He was a good player, too, actually. Um, yeah. Another Shells Rovers. Yeah, lad. Yeah. So, 14th of October, it was assigned the Times as Shamrock Rovers' Mick Lawler was the only League of Ireland player in the Ireland team. Drew one all at Sweden. 
in a European Nations. That was my first Ireland game, by the way. Really? Uh, if oh, that's really? the home game, is it? Is it, a home it game? is, yeah. European yeah, Nations first qualifying game, game, yeah. I think Tommy Carroll got a penalty for Ireland that game. I'm not sure. So compare that to the 1950s, you could have six or seven yeah, yellow white players yeah, on the team. Yeah, now we've just got one. I think it's it kind of it's it's what happened with the league in general is the gradual downfall of quality because of the lack of infrastructure mm. investment I think as well because we we spoke about off air with the GAA having their house in order yeah. where they had put they put I'm guessing they put money into infrastructure during those years. Well, they I mean, didn't have to pay the players. Yeah, but I think a key point from from back then was the the introduction of or the, the removal of the maximum wage in England. Because up until then, up until the early 60s... There was a cap? There was a yeah, cap, yeah. 40 pounds or 20, and 20 pounds. I think it was 20. Yeah. Um, so if you were playing for Manchester United in front of 50,000 people, you would get 20 quid a week. Jimmy Hill if, broke it, probably. But, you know, you, you could be earning... Because I remember, yeah. I remember this from... I'm not going to mention any names, but players who, who were at Rovers, and they were only getting, like, maybe five pounds less than someone playing in the first division in England. So if you were a bit of a homeboard and you had a half-decent job in Ireland... You could stick it out. Playing part-time yeah. for Rovers actually earn more money than Bobby Charlton. What? <laughs> so you could be doing your bit on the side of Butcher or whatever... And that obviously training. changed then, and that, 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 that's something... that, that what, That's what started to change the professional game in England. And it also meant that, you know, lads would be more willing to play for... York City or whoever, yeah, because you'd still be earning much more than you would. Johnny Haynes at Fulham was the first famously the first mm. one hundred pound a week football, and that was in nineteen sixty three. Mm. It was I think it was George Easton was the guy they brought Jimmy Hill brought him to court yeah. and to, to fight for the removal of the maximum wage, which was a ridiculous thing. Like five, the fact, they got even less in the yeah, summer. Five pounds a lot of money back then, yeah. but fifteen to twenty, it's not a huge gap, you know. It'd be, it, I'd say the equivalent of say somebody on three grand a week or four grand a week, yeah. Still, you know, hundred pounds a week back then would have been yeah, money, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Irish players playing in the English top flight, they had to pay their own expenses to come back over to Dublin, yeah, playing Daily Mount and playing the match. Yeah, yeah they, they, they come, come on, on the ferry. It was yeah. always on the come Sunday. On the ferry, the games are always on the Sunday. Yeah. yeah, can you imagine yeah. it? Liam Toohey changed out actually when he became Ireland manager. He went over and met all the the managers of the top clubs. And made the decision that we would play, try as much as possible to play uh, international games on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah, because back yeah. then that the, the Ireland used to uh, play home games on Sunday, mm-hmm. so the lads are playing England on a Saturday, Saturday and come over, play get the, the ferry Sunday, home, get beaten for one by Austria or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> back, back over. I think I remember when I first we first had I think it was Pat Bourne maybe or I can't remember who it was, but when, I was flabbergasted when they told me they only train twice a week, maybe on a Saturday, maybe. And it was on. Sometimes they train. Um, Rovers or Ireland? Uh, Rovers. Rovers. Yeah. I couldn't believe the former team. The, on yeah. the car park. Twice as well. a week in the car park, they have games of all. No, the they'll go on the pitch. Unbelievable! I couldn't believe it. We move on anyway, and we'll say it's the fourth of November, a disastrous start to the league campaign, which saw the hoops take just one point from their opening four games. So uh, we know how that feels, Prof. And um, it was finally brought to an end when the Milltown men beat Limerick three one. And fourth um, November. We had a 3-1 win at Daily Mount Park against Derry in the second round of the Texaco Cup. It wasn't enough to see the hoops advance as they failed to overcome the 4-0 defeat by the Candy Stripes in the first two legs previously, so two weeks ago. So You had a lot of these all-earning competitions. You had the Texaco so aggregate Cup toys. the Blacksnit Cup. Blacksnit, the, the yeah. most infamous, uh, one of the most infamous games in the Blacksnit Cup happened in 69. Um, we weren't at it, but like it was Rovers against Colerain. 
and apparently it was just a bloodbath what happened at that match in Daily Mount, you know? Like you hear stories about fellas getting taxis home to get hatchets and go back up to Daily Mount and all this like but a friend of mine actually was a Bowers fan was brought to it as a small child. He said he's never been so frightened in his life. Like wow. it was just madness. But a few years later, myself and John, John was the editor and main man in Hoops Inside Your Head and I was a contributor. But we did a, a joke article at one time that we pretended that we'd found this old 70s fanzine. And that we <laughs> so I wrote a thing about at the front, uh, Great Battles of the 20th Century, Rovers versus Coleray, and the amount of guys going, were you there, were you there? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Loving it. It was a legendarily bad, mad game, yeah. I think Calderon scored in the last minute. Yeah, one? it was two. We were, it was two all. Yeah, we were, we went to four three. We lost two one up there. It's actually on YouTube. Actually, the, the away game. I was watching oh, it the other day, really? and it was two all. And they got a last minute goal, and it went out really badly. Shall we say? Nineteenth November, Mick Lawler found himself out in a limb after he had a verbal altercation with manager Frank O'Neill. Having been informed by O'Neill that he had been dropped for the league game away to Waterford. A lot of was immediately suspended from the squad, so a bit of a big time Charlie attitude there. I think we asked him about that. I don't think he went in much detail. No, <laughs> didn't, get, didn't he get did. the story in that, to be honest. Um, denied it, actually. I'm nearly sure. I think he might have, yeah. I'm nearly sure there was mm. a complete denial there as well. Uh, 29th of November, Rovers managed to entice goalkeeper Pat Dunn to return to that, Milltown. Yeah. Dunn had been on the 63-64 league winning team before being transferred to Man United and had been playing at Plymouth Argyle before he rejoined Rovers. So his return to Milltown has bad news for number one Mick Smith, who was soon to leave to join Bowes. So quality-wise, Pat would would have been really good. Yeah. So yeah. what you I said rings true now as well. True against that Finn Harps. Yeah. True, yeah. His first, his first game yeah. back. So when you said that a Rovers player could earn more than Bobby Charlton, yeah. it's true now. And I always used to think to myself, why are they coming home to League of Ireland? Yeah. But now it's a little bit more insight into it now mm. is that they could probably have a good job here, play for Rovers, get a good wage and earn more than they would in England. Well, Mick Leach, the club, Mick was always good enough to go abroad, but he had a good, Mick worked in Guinnesses, I think, and yeah, he had a really yeah, good yeah. job. Yeah, job for life. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. they played uh, West Ham and Ron Greenwood gave him a serious offer to come over and like, what, what Mick was getting the Rovers and getting the Guinnesses mm-hmm. wouldn't be worth as well going over. Yeah. You know? He got offered to go to the stage as well after yeah. Boston Rovers. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pat Dunn actually took a few penalties in the 70s. He did, as well. Yeah, well, yeah. actually, the guessing about Pat, I don't know if, if a lot of people are aware of that, but he must be the only player that won a League <coughs> of Ireland medal and then the following season won an English Fourth Division medal. Yeah, I think so. I remember someone yeah, that's, said to me, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a great, great stat. Great when you think about that, it reminds me of the Edo Price stat, the only player <laughs> He's also won the first League of Ireland player to get a red card. What? I was aware of that one actually, yeah, because yeah. I, I wrote so a was red card. Shells in the League Cup or something. Hold on, I need to delve into this. <laughs> yeah. Not so the first red cards. Off, no. The first to be oh, he came in '73, I think. In so, what yeah. was your concept of this one? Like, was this an alien? Were, were you in favour well, we of it? From the World Massive Cup. talking point in the pubs. Yeah, we knew from the World Cup, and yeah, it was well, a couple of years later. Of course, we, we weren't going to pubs then. We were, we were only chilling. Well, we were, yeah, we yeah, were going yeah. to a few pubs. You were dragged into the pub into the car. No, we were sneaking in, pretending to be sort of eighteen. Why would you get a stare, mister? Yeah. <laughs> so, tell, like... A referee... So, what, there was no red cards A referee that? invented the system of... He just wrote the name of the book and... A referee said he was stuck in traffic and he saw the traffic lights. That's right, And yeah. then the light bulb went off. Because something happened in the 1966 World Cup where a referee was trying to show... Trying to book a German player or an English player and he didn't seem to be aware of it. So they were like, how can we avoid this confusion in the future? And then came the other red card system. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. So you just write the name of the book and... And not it. show them anything. Yeah, 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 okay. And you have to remember, like, up until the 60s, like, football wasn't a television That was event. actually going to be one of the questions in the next quiz. That's out the window, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
26 of December beaten 5-2 by Dundalk in the final of the Leinster Senior Cup Prof not yeah. a happy man here Jimmy Cummins in goal for that, for that game Jimmy still Cummins. on Facebook these days Jimmy G- Jimmy on the rubbish yeah same yeah <laughs> I didn't know that yeah. uh, 21st of March a scoreless draw against league leaders Cork Hibbs in front of the biggest crowd of the season two lads it's not biggest there's a story here I remember yeah. getting an elbow and being nose <laughs> that day. I, I was obviously quite small back then. I think that's the biggest crowd we've and, ever uh, seen there. My nose started really? bleeding, and I remember that the behind the goal was so packed. I remember uh, men trying to make room so they could lie me down and you know leave Pass me. Your crowd and, surf you. Can they just say there's an awful so lot of stories where John ends up with a minor injury? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing uh, John will remember. Well, I was guy. a minor at the time, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before that was a hugely tense game and like, mm. the way it was at standard time whoever won that game were pretty much yeah. the champions yeah. and it was a really tense game but John remember this as well the Hibs players came out and they were kicking the ball around and a couple of balls yeah. went into the Milltown Road end and came back out reefed by knives <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus yeah, like, no. yeah, but back it, then you'd bring, it, you'd bring your own yeah. practice balls pretty much practice balls okay, they wouldn't yeah. be supplied by the home team yeah. but that's the you most full I've ever seen Milltown I think even more than what do you like, think we played Celtic it was jammed yep so it was um, the score destroy and Munster Club left still needing four points from their final three games in order to clinch the league title and Rovers great one since late January had brought them up to the second place in the table a dramatic turnaround for the disastrous start they experienced kept them within a re- give them a realistic chance of denying Hibs the title and winning it themselves so gives us hope you can yeah. make a disastrous start and still I like what I see what you're doing the here, table there. I see what you're doing yep 11 of April having begun poorly in the league losing 4 of their first 6 games Rovers finished on a high note when they beat Drada 3-1 on a day when it was widely expected that Cork Hibbs would wrap it up in front of their own fans and the race for the title took a dramatic twist with more for B Hibbs 1-0 and this enabled the Hoops to go a point clear. But while the Dublin club had completed their league programme, the Cork side still had one game remaining at home to Shells. And a win against the Reds would guarantee them the title. Have you got any recollection of this game? Not that particular one, yeah. no. But the, the, the Hibs? Yeah, the Hibs. The Shells having to get a result against Shells. My memory is that was on that game was played on the same day as the FAI Cup final. Limits were playing Drogheda. Pretty sure, yeah. So a league, a possible league desire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing now, the same day as the FA Cup final. Now, it's a long time ago. That's my memory of it. Yeah. Whether it's fact is another thing. But that, that's my memory. Because I remember um, trying to... Back then, it was almost impossible to get information. Yeah. Uh, and I remember trying to find out whether Rowers were going to be yeah. champions or yeah, yeah, what, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that, as it turned out, yeah, we went to the playoff and other... Pivotal moment in the club's history. Uh, 18th of April, Cork Hibbs again slipped up badly when they can only manage a 1-1 draw against Shells and a playoff for Shamrock Rovers. Had now become a necessary, uh, had now become necessary to decide the destination mm. of the title. So since so this ends up being a playoff between Rovers and do a playoff. Cork Hibbs, nerves. And I think there's only been two since. So there was the three-way playoff in '93. Yeah, that was mad. And yeah, and balls. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was, uh, or was it a playoff? Or sorry, sorry. Instance when the points have been level. So I'm saying. So that was the playoff in '93. Yeah, I think there was three times that happened. And side and goal difference in 2005 was it Cork and Derry, or yeah. maybe Shelburne the next year, and then ourselves and Balls 2010 finished yeah. on points. That was a mental night, wasn't it, in Bray? Oh jeez, that was the last ten minutes. A Paddy Madden. Paddy Madden apparently had a half full of chances to score, and, 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 and they got a, at one nil. They had a perfectly good goal this allowed. Yeah, and if that had been given, we were we were dead. Oh, I remember that was yeah. a that was nothing wrong there with that goal at all. Shazzy played that night mm. as well, didn't he? Well, he got punched in the stomach yeah. by some kid. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was 2006 actually, yeah, because Stephen Kenny was manager of Derry. And he lost a league title to Shells on the last day by God. But that's the. Yeah, that's what it was. That was the night Shibby Bourne went. I'm so angry, Tony. Yeah, yeah. So angry. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually never knew what that was about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the infamous quote. 25th of April, a crowd in excess of 25,000 witness rovers come unstuck in the playoff game when they were beaten 3-1 by Cork Hibbs at Daily Mount Park. So midway through the second half, the teams were level at 1-1, but goals from Mia Dennehy and Tony Marston gave Hibbs the victory. They needed they needed to become league champions. So a dispute in the rovers' camp hours before the kickoff, only after the Cunninghams caved in and agreed to pay a win bonus. But the affair did morale in the camp no good as the kickoff approached. We never turned John's up on the got day. His head in his hands never turned here. up on the day. I well, actually, the one thing I remember about for me that was a very pivotal moment because that was the day I realised I love Shamrock Rovers. Um, you were all in tears at the end. I was in bits. I made. I got a a cardboard a piece of a cardboard box and wrote up Rovers on it. <laughs> And nailed to a bit of wood and brought it up to Damien. So you were. Can the, you imagine the state of me? You were the equivalent of those kids there. Can I have your jersey? Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Up Rovers. Up Rovers. And I remember just crying all the way home, being so upset. And that that was it. That's. It's funny how it's 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 often the, the tragic moments that tie you to a football club. Yeah. The crew. Or maybe it's just me. The early that year was we were beaten for the league Masochist. in a playoff, and we didn't qualify for Europe. Because yeah, the qualifiers, once the, the league winners mm. went through to Europe, the cup winners went through, and the winners of the Shield went through. So there were three. Mm. Uh, we didn't win the Shield that year. So that's what makes me. What's so no one in the league standings got coming second. What sticks my craw is no when Europe. Derry claimed to be the only team to win the treble. Sorry, the League Cup does not qualify for Europe, so I, I don't consider that a treble. Whereas we regularly won trebles where all three competitions qualified for Europe, mm. a proper treble. Yeah. And we've done it several times. Is there the shield, there's no proper treble the, now, no, 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 say we won the League Cup and the Lancet Senior Cup. Yeah. Yeah. It was half a season. Yeah, you played everyone once. You played everybody once. And it was huge. And it was taken so seriously. Like, I had a European place at stake. So you lose a playoff and you don't qualify for Europe. How sick is that? So hold on, you played everybody once? Yeah. Over the season, all through the season. Well, no, so. did, did, did yeah. the uses, my memory of it as a kid was that you started the season with the Shield. Yeah. And the league itself proper wouldn't start until around about October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was the top two would be played at the end, as it was, I think. Yeah, I think top the, two top, would play a final, the top of the okay. yeah. okay, two yeah. groups and the top of the top two would meet yeah. in the final to decide. Mm-hmm. A few years was later, it? I think was the, the runners up in the league did get away for a good place. Yeah. The Shield no longer guaranteed yeah, a place like, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but the Shield stays were numbered at that stage anyway yeah, I don't think there's any shield in any real competition that's worth anything anymore mm. like I mean you saw the crowd for the President's Cup yeah. it's no one really cares for them really do they mm. I know but I mean, I mean in the context of, of you know it stays where literally numbered because the League Cup replaced it oh, okay. oh, mm. League Cup actually replaced it yeah. 73, 73, 73 yeah. Yeah. Well, the first, we had to we'd go to nearly a cup game of some sort every would be the Dublin City a lot cup. of cups the top four cup is another one you know what, would, what do you think the reason was for inventing these cups? Why would they do Well, Irish people love More knockouts. It's, it's like, you look at it, put it look at the GEA. The, the league is almost meaningless. Yeah. What people love is, is the knockout. True. The All-Ireland. Yeah, and much so. Because I even remember uh, as a kid, like once it came around to the FAI Cup time, the first round of the cup, Magic that the was cup. like a huge mm. day in the League of Ireland. And it'd always be massive crowds. I think it was actually the 68, 69 season. I think Rovers competed in about nine different competitions, yeah. including Europe. 
Like nine. nine different competitions. Well, that's the same year Dublin City yeah. Cup, Top Four Cup, um, All Ireland, whatever Shield. it was. Yeah, yeah. Cup winners. Blackness. Yeah. Um, so we have Fourth of May. Yeah, Fourth of May. Frank O'Neill confirmed reports that he had stepped down as a player manager at Milltown. He said he wished to take a step away from the coaching side of the game and concentrate on his role as a player. But did Naylor walk before he was pushed? O'Neill stayed on at Milltown though, as a player. I find that as a crazy dynamic as a to stay in the dressing room. So it's a bit of two Cunningham's incidents we have there. First, uh, the win bonus incident before the playoff game, which is nuts. Yeah. And here we have, we're not sure whether Frank O'Neill stepped down or he was basically sacked. Yeah. Um, there's a very, the, the Cunningham's, there's a book to be written there, I think. It's mm. a very, very murky history yeah. there. Very, like there's, But we're very interfering, you know? Yeah. John might remember, the it's late 60s. It's stories of, you know, match fixing. Yeah, basically, it's one hour with two minutes to go. Apparently, it's Sunday people oh, rocked the boat, no, lads. A lot no. of money in cup replays. One of yeah. the tabloids had Sunday people, one of them. What? I remember we're doing a, a thing on Raw was about match fixing. That's true. It was and the, the people, I think, did it. The people. And yeah. they had it one week and suddenly it vanished. So I think they lawyered up, but like they were bookies. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. Oh, we didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. The 63 64, Sean Thomas a won. A family all, of bookies out in a football that's club. Very, that's, yeah. what, what could possibly yeah. go wrong? <laughs> Sean Thomas had won all but the top four in 63-64 but he walked because he couldn't take the Cunningham's interfering with team selection anymore oh, oh there's things like the, the takings the takings of a day would be put into a bag and there was being bet on the number in the roulette table that night and all that sort you no, hear all right. these kind of stories yeah but Joe yeah. was very fond of his poker skills oh, but he yeah. wasn't very good at yeah. poker <laughs> <laughs> Damien Richardson finished the season as top scorer for Rovers with 15 league goals was he a good player? Yeah, he's great. The one we laugh about, actually. Can is you describe him? Because one thing I always... Bustling, bustling striker. Bustling striker. Yeah, Could strong. you compare him to anyone nowadays? Because that's... I always love to... When I hear about the foreign role teams, for me to get a better description of the player, I love when people compare them to someone that could possibly yeah, be in the team now. Liam Campbell. Pat Bourne, Jack Bourne, you know. Yeah. Campbell, Buckley, that kind of... Yeah. The, the, the laugh, the joke we always have about it, I think it was the last time we played um, John Condra. It was the last time we played And we beat Condra. them 4-0. And we kind of, what's the score, lads? Rovers uh, won 4-0. And uh, who got the goals? Oh, Damien Richardson got three. And some guy covered in mud got the other one. It was actually Damien himself. <laughs> yeah, he got four goals, yeah. But funny enough, when he went to, to Gillingham, an awful lot of Rovers fans kind of looked out for Gillingham's results because he was so yeah. popular at Rovers. Like, yeah. It's, it's gas the same when you think of him as a manager because he's, he's funny and everything and his, his odd way of expressing himself, but he was a fabulous player. Really? really, really good player. Yeah, I remember getting the huge buzz actually when he came back decades later to, to manage. And uh, I remember taunting him going, When I was a kid, you were one of my heels. Dale, Barnes the king of Milltown. Yeah. And that, yeah. So 1971-72, lads. Um, I'm here for a while, but I think. Yeah, we're saying that's it. Just the first in the series. Yeah. So, league position fifth, uh, 1971. Queen's first concert in London. Jim Morrison found dead. John Lennon's Imagine Stairway to Heaven. Take Me Home. And the Eagles have formed the first Glastonbury Festival as well. So, my thoughts on that, gents. Music, music was fantastic in the 70s. 71 was, um, that was kind of the year we both really became hugely into music. Yeah. I'd first time I saw Top of the Pops. I'd stop buying yeah. shoot and I started buying the NME. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was. I think that the music stands up. Like we were all, like John was a, was a bit, like the rows we would have, John would be a, T, a big T-Rex man. And I was a Slade man and that was like Rovers versus Bowls really. Like, uh, of the music world? Oh, T-Rex versus mm. Slade. That was, oh no. 
like you know T-Rex I would consider them soft and slayed were the boys and all that so going thing. back to the whole I mean growing up in Dublin you would have been something like my dad was um, a boot boy Oh yeah, yeah. So what well, would what would you have been? We would have been the people that used to get beaten up by the, the boot boys. <laughs> that, that was very in England. Like I remember going off to match in England, and they keep what are you like? Are you a mod? Are you yeah. Staying? And like normally you weren't so much that. Like you know you were, like um, and I like the, the, the boot boys were just you know. Talks. It was basically. Well, <laughs> if we go back a little bit, the the, the, uh, the presence of skinheads at Charmer Grovers, like out, like ninety mm. percent of the hool- was the hooliganism was mad skinheads, you know, and like some of them are very uh, very senior and very respected people now and all that. But Rovers had a lot of skinheads. Yeah. Know? Now, yeah. are you talking about the uh, ska? Isn't there a difference? Ska skinheads would be. Well, they'd be into, would be into, they would have been into reggae, yeah. But these yeah. would these yeah, would have been. Yeah, the skinheads were into reggae. Like the, the when later, you hear a skinhead now, you think. Racist. Yeah, it's, no, and, and, there's also that, guys who are quite left wing, like yeah, Sharp that's and all it. that guys. That's that. These guys were just nut jobs, like yeah. <laughs> but like, the, um, it was just uh, in fact I remember a thing. Uh, RTE had a thing, and um, uh, it was kind of after the news at six o'clock. They'd have a sort of a half six program about affairs of the day. So they decided to pick up five Skinners off the street and interview them. Oh, I was on board already, and they're going. And, uh, and if you like football, I'd go, don't say Rovers, don't say Rovers. <laughs> and they'd go, oh yeah, Rovers, get <laughs> Here we go. Actually, I remember in the 70s, uh, when the boot boy thing took off, there was um, the lads um, from Oliver Bond. Right. The Bridge Boot Boys. The Bridge Boot Boys. Bridgeford Street. Yeah. Uh, they were all big into Rovers. And uh, there used to be a lot of trouble. Yep. Especially at away games yes. back then. Really, yeah. Boot Boys is always something that was brought up as well, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, sports bags with... Um, not sporting equipment in them, things like yeah. that. You know. <laughs> they weren't going to like, play a match. Like hatchets and saws and hammers and then. No, Nick. What did you think of the match last? I didn't go. Sixth <laughs> <laughs> uh, of August, Billy Young had happy memories from his time as a player at Daily Mount. But his old club did him no favours when they beat his new club one 0 in the fourth round of the Presidents Cup. It wasn't actually the result that Young would have wished to kick start his managerial career. Milltown. So Billy Young obviously goes on to become, I think, still Bow's longest serving yeah. manager of all time, and. We had an amazing unbeaten run against Bowes when Biddy was manager. Right, she lasted, yeah. I think it was 23 games, went up until, I don't know if it was 1990 or 1991. And uh, the Glenmore Gazette, you know, they're known for their provocative covers, like the Kilcoyne's Bastards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at the height of that run against Bowes, the unbeaten run, the headline of the Glenmore Gazette was, Young must stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty uh, second of August, Billy Lord, the the famous Ash, the Ash that heals, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, who had become synonymous in Irish football through his work as a physio at Rovers since the mid nineteen thirties and the Ireland national team celebrated his eightieth birthday. Unfortunately, the team didn't give him the result he would have wished for as they slumped to a three one defeat. Shells in the Shield at Milltown. Mm-hmm. Billy's um, testimonial match was an interesting night. You remember that? Yeah, that was about seventy six, wasn't it? They, they, they basically had, the, I think, the forties team against the fifties team and the sixties team against the seventies team. Something. Like, it was something. Mm, like no, there were two that games. was the last game. Remember that the charity, the gold charity yeah. game in Milltown eighty seven. That was a different thing. But I think it was the fifties against the sixties. But they were just <laughs> fascinated by the fifties players. And they, these big guys with big beer bellies, and they were knocking forty yard balls yeah. onto, onto, a, onto a sixpence kind of thing. Yeah. There was also a great scrap in, 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 in the in the club oh, after right. the Milltown club. There they were talking about the old days. The the yeah. Bar, yeah. They, were, they were basically chatting about the forties, and the band were a bit too loud. So nothing was torn down. We're told to fuck off, and a huge mill started. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wouldn't be like Rovers in for you now, would it? <laughs> no. yeah. uh, September, Mick Leach won the Soccer Writers Player of the Year award. We had a little break there going down to get a point and we were uh, we were apprehended down there, Prof, by someone who was mentioned about Le- Mick Leach. And Mick, I think Prof said something <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, I, I know him or I saw him. He goes, you don't know him. You, don't, you didn't see him play. I was trying to say that I interviewed him. He was like, you never saw him. Yeah, yeah, like, he was, I didn't he, say that. Apparently he partnered Alan Campbell up front got as well. angry though. Yeah. That's <laughs> what he said. Mick, I have to say, is my all-time Robert's hero. Really? He, I have two favourites. and The other one I would have would be Peter Eccles because he was just great. Yeah. And I, I, I got to know Peter a little bit off the field. He's a lovely guy. But Mick Leach was my hero when I started and First Love Never Dies and everything. Mick was just so good. And well, a lovely fellow too. Can you yeah. was again, the whole give package us, was the long hair? G- yeah, give well, us I always said description. He, 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 he was our George Best. Yeah, you know? but he, he, he looked like he looked like George he was Best. A, he was but, a he rebel. Was, but he played like Jimmy Graves. Yeah, the, the, I mean, what Mick, Mick's big thing was was the, the, the fox in the box thing. But he was the, the, the short outside come out of the nowhere. Shorts, the short outside the net. shorts and like the hair and everything. And like when we play away games in the country, it'd be all wolf whistles and coaches. Yeah. Who was the girl playing for all? Mary Leach and all this. Yeah, yeah that's what he used to was Mary Leach. And he would score and it would be just up in yours. But he was just, I'll tell you a classic about Mick. This, was, um, I mean, this is a time that if you didn't you know, eat raw meat for breakfast, you weren't a real man. He, yeah, played yeah, in, yeah, um, yeah. he played in, was it John Tracy's testimonial in the early 2000s? Um, it was, Pats were playing Rovers. And Paul McGrath was playing for, for um, Pats on the night and he couldn't even walk at the stage. But Noel Hunt kept trying to nutmeg him and Paul was just too clever for him. But Mick Leach came on as a sub and Mick was just in his 50s at the time. Huge round of applause, and the sum the bear was at the time. Mick knocked this unbelievable 50 yard pass onto Tommy Dunn's foot, and Tommy fell over and fell into the t- over touch into touch. <laughs> so poor old Tommy, but Mick still had it though. Yeah. yeah, just on that award, uh, Mick Leach Player of the Year or sorry, Player of the Month. That is the first ever Player of the Month award. It was won by Mick Leach. Oh, so the, so, the first one they ever introduced that Mick. So <clears throat> the PFEI gave him a big scroll. And they supposedly gave him a cheque for £20, which Mick told us he never received. <laughs> Third of October, the league began with a 2-2 draw away to Bowles before the biggest crowd seen at Daily Mount in years. So Bohemians had always been keen rivals with the hoops and it seemed at this time the rivalry was beginning to take hold again. Could you see that happening? Yeah. Where, where did it start? Well, as I said earlier, about they won the cup was the first time after we did in the six in a row and like them going part time because they were an amateur side and they they also used to play on Saturdays I think so they mm-hmm. would get no crowds and they couldn't really compete. Yeah but both just weren't mapped yeah. for about thirty years. But they got good and they got they were good like quick. they were like Dublin City home farm yeah. of the really? of the day. Yeah they just weren't yeah. I, I remember they weren't relevant. They weren't relevant. I, I remember one, one one guy I worked with many years ago, um he used to play for Bowles, he was a goalkeeper. And uh, we used to always be slagging, you know, a bit rovers and balls. And one day he says to me, he says, he says, John really bugged us. He says, we were irre- irrelevant. Rovers didn't care. If, if we beat rovers, they'd just go, Ash, it's only balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a game. Know, and that, that was the thing that really bugged them, you know. There was a game about 73, and I just remember thinking, there was a different feel to it. It just really, there was a bad edge to it. The real, but then, but you but had remember the scarf, the scarf incident. Remember, somebody in the rovers crowd had managed to get their hands on the ball scar and it was set forward to and you could feel Jesus this is different now this is yeah. there were nothing matches before then really mm. but this was serious but you had a whole thing then as well it was like you know you'd had half a cabra West turning up looking for a rail against the lads from Oliver Bond who were very happy to uh, proceed <laughs> yeah. and, to give uh, them what they want but yeah. there used to be a lot of there was a fair few clatterings up in the was, shed yeah, and down back then was. you know 
Uh, 10th of October 1971, Mick Kieran, Frank O'Neill, Mick Leach and Damien Richardson, uh, he was a sub, appeared for Ireland in the 6-0 defeat away to Austria at Linz. Oh, There's the Austrian hammerings you were mentioning. The occasion marked <laughs> O'Neill's final appearance in an Ireland jersey, having gained his fourth cap against Czechoslovakia. Six. Almost 10 years to the day, he chalked up 20 international appearances as a Sean McCormick's player. A record as probably hardly, yeah. That Austria game was the experiment where we should try more League of Ireland players. And, and like they played 10 League of Ireland players, and I think the only one who was was Paddy Mulligan, who was playing for Palace yeah. at the time, maybe. Yeah. Though the guy's thing was, we played Austria at home. They hammered us. A couple of weeks a couple of weeks previous with a full Ireland team. Oh, yeah, hardly any. I don't, I don't know if there were even any League of Ireland players. Yeah, and so. Austria won four one, so I think if you lose four one at home, a six 0 away defeat is yeah, it's, it's about it's, right, comparable. Yeah. So you couldn't just go oh, League of Ireland, you know. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. Mm. It's just a fact. So Ireland, were the League Ireland, of Ireland players, players playing on the four one with a home loss? No, that was so would have been more of a full side. So that was that pretty much thrown to the wolves mm. there, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, Ch- choked the boys in. But there were guys like we know Pat's, what's coming here. Was Noel Campbell would have played in that game, didn't he? Well, he would have been away at that stage, wouldn't he? Was he in Germany at that stage? Mm. Might have been, but it was an awful lot. You see, like an awful lot of clubs whose last international would have been someone in that game kind of thing. But there was always we were all yeah, League of Ireland playing League of Ireland players, and oh jeez, a six 0 yeah. So, <laughs> well, it was the thing is, like up until the late sixties, the, the the international team was a shop window for players, for clubs. Mm. You know that that's what you'd have this thing where the Cunninghams be pushing certain Rovers players. Because, Trying to get a few yeah. quid for them. Well, yeah, I think get a get a nice transfer fee. Yeah, happy days. You know? Just on that line by Robert saying that Frank O'Neill's twenty caps, a record hardly ever likely to be beaten. Robert wrote that in twenty twelve. He couldn't have foreseen somebody like Pico Lopez, mm. who now has uh, has he played this fourteen weekend? maybe fourteen like fourteen caps for Cape Verde. He waltzes into yeah. that Cape Verde. He's been with the club six years. You couldn't have foreseen a player like this. And he probably will break Frank Rick. Frank yeah, Frank absolutely. Yeah, and he's still got at least what's what's Pico now? 20? Thirty. Is, is he thirty? Yeah. Mm. You're looking at another four years easy, mm. and he could, considering Cape Red might not be flush with brilliant centre halves, he could continue on to these thirty four, thirty five. Yeah. Plus, countries play an awful lot more games than they used to back absolutely, then. Absolutely. Yeah. Back in the in the sixties. Yeah, three or four internationals a year. Yeah, but, yeah. but Frank was worth his was, was worth his value in that team. He wasn't a token player by any chance. He was that mm. good. Like, I still don't know why he left Arsenal. Like, he'd be gone, yeah, you know. well, apparently he was homesick, which yeah. is understandable. Well, and like Frank would have had a decent job here as well. And again, going back to the yeah the maximum wage. It's funny, when he came not, back to would the back maximum wage would, would have still been I there. Was just know? named. I was talking to John Cody at one of the Christmas or one of the end of season lunches, and I know John and. Um, we talked about who the best player we ever saw. Never, and I still think probably technically Pat Bourne is the best player I've ever seen in Rawls. And John was saying, "No, Frank O'Neill, Frank O'Neill, all day long." I said, "But you played with Pat. You would not." He said, oh, "He was great, but Frank was better." Oh, yeah, no so way. he yeah. was that good. Mm. So, 20th of October, four-one loss at the hands of Ballymena in the first leg of the Texaco Cup. Second round effectively put paid to Rovers' hopes of winning the trophy, and the hoops were outclassed on the night. But in times not so far gone, teams from Milltown were always capable of making comebacks and turning matters around. Um, did the present team have this in them? Also, in the, in the early seventies, yeah. I think it's a rhetorical question by Robert. There is it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a funny one. Yeah. That spelled the end of Bill Young, I think, pretty much that defeat. So the 3rd of November, Dennis Stevens equalised late in the Texaco Cup game against Ballymena United, but it never looked like the hoops could pull the tie back as they exited the competition in the second round. So 
25th of November, Billy Young was sensationally sacked by the directors at Milltown. Paddy Ambrose agreed to coach the team for the remainder of the season and it seemed that the hoops were taking a backward step as team selection was uh, once more become the responsibility of the directors, which is what we spoke about. I think it's insane. Um, it seemed that the concept of giving a manager a free hand was something that those in charge of Milltown had not yet able or had not yet been able to understand which the Cunninghams are coming to an end here the Kilcoynes are coming in soon mm. but um, I think that type of interference is insane really like if mm. like even now at, let's say at board level do you feel that they should have a say in who, what players come to the club no. I think, or should the football department mm. just no, decide that's, that's oh, manager, yeah, you're manager in the, the sure, surely department. there's no way you could ever have anyone from the board approaching players and then say oh yeah by the way Mm. We have a line here with this fella. He's decent. Surely you'd feel micromanaged. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, the, the board's the board's responsibility is to create a situation for the football to progress. Yes, that's it. That's their function. Yeah, not to interfere. Yeah. Hand over the money and get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it the era that they're from? Like the first Rovers coach it wasn't until the 40s I don't think yeah, yeah. but that was the thing it's the same oh, the international team there was no manager until the first yeah selectors very selectors there'd be games you go to and someone say to you who's Rovers manager and you'd be um, who is it you know and you wouldn't be a big thing in your mind where, mm. the, where is the managers are all powerful now or they're yeah, yeah. is it Billy Young is it we wouldn't <laughs> know and some say remember that game you went to who's manager having a clue yeah yeah uh, 5th of March successive defeats against Waterford and Finn Harps respectively spelt the end of the hopes that Rovers had of making a late dash for the title so throughout the 60s and the early 70s the Milltown side had maintained a challenge for the league honours always up to the end but it seemed that not all was well at Milltown as the club's fortunes began to falter Irish soccer in general was experiencing difficulties and all clubs began suffering a major drop in attendances and this is what you were speaking about Martin you said that it was like that yeah, gone pretty much overnight yeah gone and how can like would you put that down we had a couple of books here earlier on we had the one that prof got me who stole, like, who stole yeah. our game they're wheeling and yeah, the, the rise run. of the 66 world cup is a big one yeah, the rise of the dubs and the, the dubs yeah. there's also a lot more like, the lot more to do on sundays you know sunday was just at one time that's you could do except go to a league of Ireland game and yeah. people had more choice and it was a good thing culturally and socially but for the league of Ireland it was disastrous yeah, yeah. i mean the thing is Back back in the day, you know, a man on a Sunday would go for a few points and then head up to Milltown and then go home ha- and, and the wife would have the dinner ready. He'd eat the dinner and then he'd fall asleep in front of the fire. <laughs> that sounds good. And that was it, you know, and like, this is before shopping centres. This yeah. is before Woody's. This mm. is before coloured television. Yeah, you know, the big match. A lot of people start going with the English game. It's, travel became cheaper as well. And yeah. Like, they had the boats over to England and people would be going to English matches on the Saturday and all that. And it became a big thing. Uh, Fairies, which which yeah. continues to this day. So like, they wouldn't be rushing back to go to a League of Ireland match on the Sunday, you know. Yeah. But mm. but it's just a lot of things. And like, nobody's really pinpointed one reason. But as I said, they it just yeah. the, the crowds People start buying overnight. cars, even things like that. Oh, like, crazy. like, you know, the legends about, the, the stories about the, all the bikes outside Milltown. Yeah, with and the chalk. But they, put your number with the job. But the early 70s. But the early 70s. But the early 70s, maybe our dad was buying an old banger for 50 quid. One of the first games I and went so to. And so you'd be Milltown. heading off to wherever. My, my favourite car Rather story in Milltown. Match, you know? bring, yeah. Bringing the family out somewhere for, yeah. for the afternoon. A very early game I went to, and I came outside, and there was a car on fire, and there was a bunch of skinheads dancing oh, around right. it. 
And I, uh, when I when I asked who owns some the, of the lost boys, no, who owns the car? Uh, the referee, yeah, John Carr. <laughs> they set fire to his car, and for years after, uh, when he was refing, there'd be shouts of, "How was your car?" It would have been the early seventies, wouldn't it? He yeah, was, oh, yeah, he, he was, was. He was. Uh, we all is he an assessor John. now? No, he's dead. He's, he's dead. Died, right, I'm thinking of someone else, John Fury. He infamously got a European match one time, and he was refing a game between Inter and somebody else, and Inter got a late winner and he disallowed it and he got hit by a bottle on the way off the pitch that night, you know? but there was a real area that Rovers thought he was out to get us but I think it was something to do with the, the car being set on fire maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. a little, bit, a little yeah. bit so 12th of March St. Pat's beat Rovers 1-0 in the FAI Cup quarter final at oh, Richmond that, Park the that was another in day in terms of trouble yeah actually yeah what was your man's name? Twelve of March. Remember, Rowers fan got stabbed that day. That's right. Was yeah. Gunter, was that his name? Did he passed. Or he no, survived? no, no. He just he's avoided all right. Yeah, there was there was a lot of trouble at that game. Stabbed. Yeah. Jeez, weapons were a bit of a oh yeah recurring theme. Yeah, then. very much so. Yeah, very much so. Um, the six in a row was starting to become a distant memory. Damien Richardson could only watch out in agony as Pat's new goalkeeper Tom Laddy saved his penalty kick. Second of April, a home game against Drumcondra in the second last game of the league championship was. To be the last time that ever teams were to meet as drums was taken over by Home Farms, as we spoke about earlier on. Home Farm bought them, um, and bought them in the summer of that year and played under the name of Home Farm Drum Condra for the 72 73 season. So, decades of intense rivalry, witnessed by tens of thousands of loyal fans, <coughs> great clashes in all of the top competitions, and the best league of Ireland had to offer, pitting their wits against each other, was all becoming history. So, Damien Richardson will always remember this game. He scored all four of Rovers' goals in the 4-1 win for the Milltown Club. Do you remember those goals? That was the one, that's the one we yeah. thought he got a hat-trick and some guy covered him both <laughs> got the fourth and it was him, you know. But so was, he was 70- pretty good in the air, wasn't he? I think there was headers, yeah. a lot of headers in yeah. the air, you know. 72-73. Uh, fifth we came in this one. So the LFA President's Cup and runners-up in the League of Ireland Shield and Leinster Senior Cup. So, 1972, American Poi, Superstition, Starman, Abba, Van Halen and Planksty were formed. Creed's Clearwater Revival disbanded. And uh, in February, Led Zeppelin's concert in Singapore was cancelled when the government officials would not let them off the airplane because of their long hair. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you missing? Yeah, there was a band called Middle of the Road. You know that song, Chirpy, Chirpy, Cheap, Cheap? Right. They had, they had to have their head shaved or they let them play a gig in Singapore because there was a law against men having long hair. I'd be I'd be more disappointed the fact that they did that in the first place <laughs> yeah. and they actually did the gig, but yeah. long hair. Yep. Yep. Singapore were always seriously be thrown into, into the cells for having long hair. Uh, Liam Tui made a return to Milltown as manager following the decision to quit his post at Dundalk at the end of the previous season. Paddy Ambrose, a former teammate of Tui's at Milltown, remained on in the capacity of a B team coach and assistant to Tui. So, we David Parks, he was signed from Bowes as well. Mick Kieran and Eamon Gregg signed from the Daily Mount Park Club. Jim Conroy loved Mick Kieran. We had him on the show there yeah. a couple of years ago. He said he was one of his all-time favourite yeah, players. Player, yeah, he was a tough lad. Tiger, I think, was his yeah. name. Tiger, Tiger, yeah. Tiger, Tiger 10th of July, the Cunningham family. You just have me wanting to find out more about these now. <laughs> there's a buke in it. There's probably, there's probably sealed things up at Dublin Castle about them. <laughs> say, you know. There's a rabbit hole I'm going to get yeah. into. So the Cunningham family relinquished control of Shamrock Rovers to the relatively unknown Kilcoyne brothers. 
Barton, Patrick and Louis after a lifetime of practically running the club. Joe and Mary Jane finally let go of something that had played a huge part in their lives. In a club statement issued on the 12th of July, Louis Kilcoyne, a sports promoter, was said to be taking up the position of managing director while Joe Cunningham Jr. and his brothers Des and Arthur would remain on as members of the board. So the Kilcoyne's appointment at Milltown came as a major surprise and he had not been particularly known for support of the club any time in the past. Can you... Can you remember any meetings with the Cunninghams or the Kilcoins? And do you remember when this happened? When I the changeover Louis happened? Well, the was it a thing? Yeah, like, the first thing, one of the first things Louis did was he disbanded all the sports clubs. Um, how can you do that? How, I, how is that possible? I'll tell you, they're so, independent well, clubs, no? funny, Well, he, he basically banned them. You know? like, I'll, Why did he do that? Well, I'll tell you, John, um, I was discussing this with John earlier. I was been going through all a little while and there was some game coming up. And I really wanted to go to So I innocently asked on the terrace, like, uh, how do I join the sports club? And there was hells of laughter from people. Oh, God love you, son, you're so innocent. And the story we were told was that Louis came in and he basically thought that the sports clubs were basically running cheap trips for hooligans, which pretty much they were, but that's not the point. You know? but, uh, still. <laughs> but that's like, a, so is it always does, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But he it just banned it. And, that's, that's, and I was saying to you earlier, I'd go into a bit later on about why we seem to get the train everywhere, because we couldn't. They would, we didn't have sports clubs we didn't have buses John knows a lot more about how the act sports clubs were very strong in the 50s and 60s weren't they like, um, yeah yeah but Robert's sports you used to have the sports club um, like did um, it's like a working man's club wasn't like it? a working man's club like they had one up, up around really? Parnell Square I think yeah something yeah. like the Cliftonville Social you could yeah, say something something like, like, like Robert's yeah. used to have like a darts team and things like that and a, a cricket team a cricket team a cricket team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the um, I think with the with the Kilcoins, were they the do you know anything about them? Like were they like silver spoon in the mouth? The only thing we well, were they football fans. He got his foot in the door. The first thing he did was he promoted the uh, wasn't the Bose drums match against Santos. Yeah, the other time Pelé played in Ireland, and he was the promoter. And I think that he got his foot in the door mm, that right. way. Yeah, I, th- I think he saw it as a way. He 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 had eyes on your way and FIFA. Right, and uh, a Delaney a there, there, yeah. yeah, pretty much, and. Being involved in Rovers obviously would have put him into that do arena. Think, do you think he was a Rovers fan, Joe? I know. Well, it's, I personally, I don't think that's of any relevance. Yeah. To be honest, I think it's nice yeah. that if someone's running your club that they do actually like the club, though. You know? uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of a well, it's kind of a, it's a deal breaker for me. I have to say, yeah, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't. In, in terms of a privately owned thing, you know. Yeah, uh, true. Um, but uh, I mean, that was a, it. Was it was kind of weird, obviously. Because the cunning was just didn't know what to make them really, there, like, you know. Like if we know what was coming, and they were very put it this way: yeah. when when is when the name arose, did you well, we did, were you like we were who are they? In the streets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who are they? Yeah. Who are they? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know a recollection of them at all? Did you ever meet the Cunningham's Oracle coins? Uh, well, I met Louis a few in times, that decade. Yeah. I mean. Louis yeah. used to always throw us out the third the year, dude, when we were shouting and roaring and things like that. Yeah. Well, I remember when they took over. Wouldn't happen at fifties now. I remember when they took over myself and another chap, Kevin Higgins. Yeah. We actually went out to Milltown. Because this is during our summer holidays. We went out to Milltown to see what was going on. And we met Louis. Mm. And we were going, How are you, mister? We're yeah. Rovers fans. What are you just doing with the club, you know? Well, he was a <laughs> so he, yeah. He, yeah, he was... He was he, that's it. I mean, you look at your wife and Fifi and you see the kind of people there. Yeah, Louis would have fit he was, in. He was a schmoozer. Oh, he was a real schmoozer, yeah. 
I'm getting you know, a good description of him. This is this is the vibe I'm getting off a lot of people. Well, like like a politician. You know? Yeah, we were saying about throwing out the player of the year. There's a few times like we'd be outside at the hoops club and singing away. And, and gentlemen, we've had a wonderful evening. Shall, shall we finish it now? He's just like David Niven or something like that. <laughs> That's how we carry on. Yeah. Well, compared to us, he was. Yeah, anyway. yeah, <laughs> gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. He he could he even master joined up. Handwriting, you know. Yeah, so. but, uh, but we did. <laughs> Very but, impressive back then. I thought that we had, like, the whole thing about disbanding the sports clubs and things like that, and they, they got the, the impression that he didn't like the fans very, mm. very much. Yeah, and, they, yeah. and they tried to Americanize Seems like he thought they'd been eating. Well, they, no, tried to, so. they tried to Americanize the thing. I remember, remember they brought in the Mage Rets. And the women, they used to have a women's game. And they before, had a women's game before, before the men's game. Now, and that, like, this was great. That was great, but this was yeah, real sort of, it was a joke. Like, it was yeah. like dolly board sort of thing rather yeah, than yeah. footballers. Yeah. Yeah. The major hits. And the pro, actually, remember the programme they, they they brought in this uh, broadsheet, broadsheet. programme. A broadsheet? Yeah. Yeah, basically, it was you'd buy the programme, you'd open up, uh, right, pages two and three, or three and four. Then you'd have to open it again. And then open it again, so you'd end up with one big piece Sounds of like paper. Sounds like a printer's nightmare. Now, can, not only that, but can you Sounds imagine being on the up. terraces? Oh, sorry, mate, you're getting <laughs> elbows. And you're <laughs> fellas trying to read the program. It was raining, and it was a bit of a brace. I know, I know the <laughs> answer. Gonna, oh, do you see this in the program? Zoom. I know the answer. <laughs> just to this see a program floating over the main stand. You still have parachute regiments. Yeah. You still have them, don't you? I still have them. Of course, them. You, of course you do. Uh, we move on 6th of August following the footsteps of Christy and Danny O'Callaghan and Tommy and Eamon Farrell Eamon Gregg joined his brother Jimmy on the Shamrock Rovers team that beat Bohemians 2-0 in the first round of the LFA President's Cup so it was a case of keeping up another tradition the Gregg boys were nephews of Podge Gregg who played with hoops in the 40s don't have many brothers and uncles and nephews nowadays yeah. go, uh, there's, there's a quiz Pierre question for you uh, well Pierce O'Leary yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely a quiz question in that one isn't recent times we had the brothers Bre- that play in the, the Brennans team. obviously um David Ellibert, I don't know if people remember him, but his yeah. uncle yeah, played for us yeah. in the eighties. Sean, Sean was a Sean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was a, was it Carol Gannon? Well, it came comes from a real. Mick son played for us. That's right. Johnny. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> um, it's funny actually. Tried like, to. <laughs> Johnny Giles' son played for us. Uh, yeah, both fell far from the tree that mm, day. Well. Two, two sons. <laughs> two sons says. played for us. Yeah. Johnny uh, Nobby Stoyle's son played for us. Yeah, he was brutal. Twenty uh, sixth of December. Damien Richardson took up the offer of a transfer to English Fort Division side Gillingham. Richardson had been with the Hoops in 65-66, although it found difficult to break into the Forest team. And he remained patient. It finally came. Gillingham in the fourth tier of English football. Did you feel that that was a step down for him? It's funny. It's a, I know it was... Because we said that the gap was kind of closer mm, back yeah. then, wasn't it? Quality-wise? Mm. I remember... Fourth tier sounds like a... Well... We used to theorize. I mean, most of my life, I always considered the, the, the League of Ireland to be kind of third tier. Yeah, the late football, 60s, roughly. when the Rovers were really good winning cups, I remember older guys would say, I'd ask them, how do you think Rovers would do in England? And the general gist seemed to be, we'd survive in the second division. Yeah. You know, we'd be lower half the second division. Yeah. You know, nothing more than that. Nothing, which was a decent standard. Yeah. You know, Championship you know. as it would be now. And you have to remember, like, so. part time players. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like in some ways, it's, it's, it's he, a silly comparison because he captained them to the fourth. Into you can't compare. It's a weird. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because it seems to be the litmus test to test the quality of League of Ireland or what would it be in in, in England? Where yeah. would we survive in England? You know, well, I think Owen Rice. Or no, sorry, no, that's the wrong quote. <laughs> we we'll go. We we'll move on. Right, thirty fourth December, Cossey defeats to home, uh, home to Waterford and away to Finn Harps in. November and early December saw the hoops slide off the top of the table. They travelled to draw the final game of the year at 1-3-1 and a result that kept them in fourth place 
five points behind the the new boys, Finn Harps. Harps top of the table. The new boys. Mm. Finn Harps. So the 11th of March, Rovers again went out of the FAI Cup at the quarterfinal stage, but only after they had played 11 games in the competition. <laughs> 11 games in the competition. Yeah, actually, that game against Limerick only finished 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the trend. Um, I, I genuinely w- could not believe this. When, remember, we were sitting there, we were chatting with Mick Leach about it, wasn't it? Mm. I couldn't believe what was going on. It's insane. And then forcing them to play the games. Making them play the replays and the quote what was the quote? The, uh, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Mm. Spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Brilliant quote. Um, so the marathon second round tie against Athlone had been well documented, but the harshness of the FAI and forcing the hoops to play the quarterfinal away to Limerick two days after three consecutive nights of action. Two went to extra time. Am mm. I right? Yep. Gary P with the stats and. Um, at long. it's still a sore point for Hoops fans from the time so we're just going to play the audio now for our listeners so what we've done here is uh, we've gotten the great Con Murphy to actually re- do a voice recording of my article in Hoops Scene from the start of the season so it's like a Hoops Scene audio book if you will so you're going to hear the narrator Con next voice you'll hear is uh, Jim then John Byrne in front of us here and the fourth person you'll hear is Mick Leach yeah so a little tree for you now. Tales from the East Stand by Carl Riley. It's March 1973. The troubles are at their height. The US withdraws from Vietnam. Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon album is released. Slade performed Come On, Feel the Noise on Top of the Pops. And Marlon Brando boycotts the Oscars. League of Ireland football in the 70s certainly wasn't glitz and glam, even with the fading stars of English football coming for a last paycheck. Grim, it was like the ceiling fell in, recalls John Byrne, then a young fan of a Dublin club in steep decline. It's one dramatic week in particular that I spoke to John and the same age Jim Conroy about near the 50th anniversary of when Shamrock Rovers played four FAI Cup games in five days. Six in a row, a distant past. The 1972-73 season saw the Cunningham family relinquish control of Rovers to the relatively unknown Kilcoyne brothers. Cork-born John Herrick joined from Cork Hibs for a reputed record fee for a fullback, and with so many changes having taken place at Milltown, it was good for the supporters to be able to welcome back an old reliable as Frank O'Neill made his return from a long-term injury. Shelburne had brought Rovers' glorious run of 32 games unbeaten in the FAI Cup to an end at the first hurdle in 1970, with successive second-round exits for the Cup specialists in 71 and 72. Cup marathons in those days weren't that unusual, but the second half of the 72-73 season was absolutely mad. First of all, it took three games to beat Dundalk in the first round, says Jim. You'd hope for a smoother passage into the last eight, but it was to take four games to separate Rovers and Athlone Town, including a ridiculous situation that followed, whereby the two teams were forced by the FAI to meet on three successive evenings. By sticking rigidly to the date set for the second round and quarter-final ties, the governing body effectively killed off Rovers' chances. Their odyssey began with a 1-1 draw at home to Dundalk on Sunday the 18th of February. 
The first replay at Oriel Park later that week was goalless. Before the hoops finally came out on top, former Ireland star Herrick inspiring a 3-0 victory at Dalymount Park the following Monday. Thursday, the saga begins. Three days later, on the 1st of March, teenager Terry Daly gave Rovers the lead before Ivan Park pounced to Athlone's rescue in a dull game at St Mel's Park with a tough quarter-final tie in Limerick looming on Sunday week. But it wasn't a bad result, so so we, we got the tour replay. Then on the fall, that was the tour, say, and then on the Sunday then, amazingly, we went to Waterford and like Rovers were the great side at that time around. They, they, were, they were an already enough team. But we hammered them 3-0 in Cacoan Park. And you must remember Waterford were going for their sixth league title in, title in eight years and, and, and they were down to win the league. So so it was a really great win, that 3-0. We, we hammered them down there. It was it was a great result. So we were kind of co- very confident going into the game, the, 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 the replay against that lone town on the Wednesday night. In those days, the penalty shootout was still a largely foreign concept and initially seen by many as an unsatisfactory method of deciding domestic ties. Football associations in both Britain and Ireland were far more cautious about adopting penalties than their European and international counterparts, with UEFA adopting the format in 1970, followed by FIFA in 1976. Wednesday, another stalemate. Rovers decided to forego home advantage and play the replay on March the 7th under lights in Dalymount Park, where so many of their triumphs had been scored. Philip Green would broadcast the RTE radio commentary on the second half on all medium wavelengths, but even 30 minutes extra time failed to produce any goals for him to enjoy, bringing the deadlock to 210 minutes. Rovers never reached the peak form they showed in Waterford and Athlone were unlucky not to win it in normal time as a powerful dipping shot by Scotsman Dougie Wood from 35 yards cracked off the crossbar bringing a gasp of astonishment from the 8,000 crowd. If last night's encounter is any guide then this tussle could go on indefinitely Noel Dunn wrote in the Irish Independent. Thursday, a long drawn out affair. Liam Toohey, in his second spell as manager, called his Rovers players to a Dublin hotel for lunch and a tactical talk. Toohey described the decision of the emergency committee to make the two teams play tonight and again tomorrow, if necessary, as diabolical. A brilliant performance by Athlone keeper Mick O'Brien earned the town a nil-nil draw, denying both Mick Leach and Frank O'Neill. During extra time, four periods of 10 minutes each, it was announced over the PA system that the teams had played 230 minutes of football within 24 hours. This brought a deserved ovation from the 3,000 in attendance, who again rose to the respective sides as they trudged wearily off the field. I'd been to the original toy, a draw at St Mel's Park, and look forward to the replay the following Wednesday night in Tatumont. The last thing any of the crowd at the game that night expected was that we'd do the same again on a Thursday and yet again on a Friday. It was like time stood still for hours. Really, it just summed up how poor the Irish football was being run back then and, as ever, how others had it in for the hoops. I was just 13 though and it all seemed like great crack as I got to see Rovers three nights in a row. I mean, how deadly was that? Friday, Rovers through at last. By the time the teams met for the fourth time, the players were very tired, especially as all of them were only part-timers. 
The problems endured by the clubs were further illustrated by the failure of Athlone to secure the release of two of their players from work for the third replay. Hoop's hero on the night was Eugene Davis, the 19-year-old Dunleary butcher who was only brought into the side at the last minute when Herrick was ruled out with a broken foot. After 430 minutes in this particular tie and 12 hours in all in the tournament so far, Rovers had done it. John reckons that everyone at the final game was on first-name terms. Oh my God, what a week. So on the Friday night, it was a totally different game. Uh, Rovers played really, really well. Like They played a bit like they did at Waterford and ran out really convincing winners. I remember we won 3-1 three, three on the Friday night. And unusually for that game, I think it was probably the only time in my life, well, very rarely have I watched Rovers from the, the, the main stand in Daily Mount. Very rarely. But I did that night. I remember actually when Eugene Davis, Eugene Davis got two goals that night. Of course, Pooch was a good old player. He, he Later on, he became a great player at Lone Town as well. But but I remember Pooch, he ran through. I think he rounded the keeper, made a 3-1. And yours truly, uh, as an enthusiastic 13-year-old, I remember uh, running from the stand and standing on top of the dugout, waving me Robert's scarf. And there was great celebrations. We eventually got through the toy. I mean, we, we, as I say, we, we won very well that night. We won by 3-1 and, and played extremely well. There was another nice touch after the final whistle when Athlone director, the late Seamus O'Brien, walked into the Hoops dressing room carrying two bottles of champagne and a bottle of whiskey and offered Rovers his congratulations. A meeting of the FAI Emergency Committee took place after the match. The committee voted by five votes to four that the cup tie on Sunday had to go ahead as planned. The faces of the Rovers players, who were so elated as they walked off the pitch, registered stunned disbelief when they heard the news. The Sunday Independent asked simply, why all the hurry? Must the FAI get things finished in such a haste that Rovers are forced to play Limerick at the Markets Field after a saga of matches with Athlone Town, which had threatened to rival Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap as the world's longest-running piece of entertainment? Sunday. Marathon tie takes its toll. Now, Saturday was a rest day. We all had a nice rest on the Saturday. But, of course, the FAI assisted... Oh, the, 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 them people, have never, they never changed over the years. They insisted that we go to Limerick on the Sunday. So we went off to Limerick on the Sunday. God, when I look back at it, I, I, like, as I say, I was only a young lad, I was still in school. And I, I don't know how many men uh, could afford to, to, like, to, 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 to pay me to go to the games. Three games in three days, rest Saturday, and then, then the train to Limerick on the Sunday. It's amazing. It's it's amazing to look back on all that, you know. Despite the aches and pains of eight matches in nineteen days, the team that lined out against Limerick showed just one change to that which beat Athlone less than forty-eight hours before. Squad rotation didn't exist back then. Rovers went down gallantly at the Markets Field, but justice was not seen to be done. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. A pretty accurate summary by Tui, as they hadn't had any further reserves of stamina to call upon against a determined Limerick side. It, it was a very hard task, because Limerick had a reasonably good side, and a, a fella called Des Kennedy scored the winning goal. We were knocked out on the Sunday. 
uh, we were beaten one nil by Limerick. Of course, that that day is best remembered for. <laughs> there was a huge Rovers crowd went went down, and there was um, it was uh, it was there was a, there was serious rioting before and after and during the match and all kinds of trouble that day. It was uh, it, it was it was it was a mad day in Limerick. The, in fact, some some I think some of the Limerick councils wanted Rovers thrown out of the league. We probably wouldn't have minded too much. The players were so knackered <laughs> after all the games that week. Yeah, it was amazing. So we failed to re- we failed to reach the, the, the cup semi final after playing eight cup ties. Yeah, that is amazing. I I I, 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 I haven't gone checking up or that, but I'd imagine that has to be some some kind of a record anyway. So Cork Hibs, by comparison, went on to retain the trophy by playing six games in a ten week period. Three replays in three days against a long town. It's unthinkable nowadays. People wouldn't believe it. Like. Yeah, but three replays and two of them were extra time. We played on the Wednesday, went extra time. We played in the tours, they went extra time. We played in the Friday and we won 3-1. But I remember we played Limerick in the Cup on the Sunday. Like, Rovers begged the FAO to call the match off. They wouldn't hear it. But, I mean, we went down to Limerick and I remember getting off the train. I could hardly walk from the train station up to the ground. I mean, my legs were just gone, like, and... we got beaten one nil by Limerick, but like it wasn't hard to say, like because we just couldn't get into the game. Like the legs and body was just completely shattered. The cure. The visitors had to receive treatment from their trainer Billy Lord at regular intervals, which the Limerick Leader newspaper labelled as time wasting. <laughs> Billy was a legend. I mean. When you got to know Billy, you learned his history. Billy was uh, probably unique in the sense that he was a professional runner, like back in the 1920s or something. And, I mean, in those days, like, people ran like horses, like, people bet on running, like, the stories that you'd hear of him. But, like, the thing about Billy was, Billy was a chain smoker, and he smoked 80 to 100 woodbines a day. And... He lived till he was 80-odd, and nobody could ever explain. But the lads had the same. When you went into Billy, like, you'd be getting treatment off him. And he'd be smoking one cigarette, and he could light another cigarette off it. But the ash would be falling on your leg, right? The lads said, you get plenty of ash? That, that was the cure. Like, <laughs> when, you, when you got a groin injury or a hamstring injury, when the ash fell on you, you knew that Billy would cure you. <laughs> that, that was the, the, the joke among the lads, that Billy had a the kill from the ash. Legend has it that McLeach had a problem getting out of bed for that Limerick game. Well, he wasn't the only one. I slept it out and arrived at Houston Station just in time to be told that the Limerick train had departed. And no, there wasn't another one coming to get me there in time for the kickoff. I must have cut quite a dejected figure walking out of Houston Station that morning. A schoolboy with a packed lunch, a green and white scarf and a face as long as that three-game marathon at Dalymount. I trudged home, tuned into the radio and waited for reports from the markets field. The day hadn't quite finished and punished me. Naturally, Rovers went down one in the Limerick and that was the end of our FAI Cup dreams for another year. It was around about this time that I began seriously doubting the existence of a god and if he really did exist, well he certainly wasn't a member of the FAI Emergency Committee. The concept of endless rematches, of course, seems rather archaic and a logistical impossibility in the current European success-obsessed climate, but 50 years ago, they just got on with it. 
As if they hadn't seen enough of Athlone, the clubs met again in the semi-finals of the 1972-73 Shield. And just like their FAI Cup slugfest, it took the Milltown men more than one game, two replays, to settle the issue. Amusingly, the following year, Rovers were given a bye in the first round of the FAI Cup. Um, the So, that was... I love your editing on that probably. as well. Listened to the other night. It was really good, actually. Yeah. It was really, really good. And it's it's easy to listen to. Because sometimes like we we ramble on and you might get sick of us, but that, it's easy listening. Because it's... Cobb's very good in the yeah, 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 he's brilliant. The he's such a good broadcaster. Yeah. And I think that, that, that incident ever happened, though, that cup, those games, it was just... It's mad. It just seems so, as I said, the good top was great. Because I got, got to see Rovers three yeah. in a row. Brilliant. What? No homework. I didn't go to the first yeah. game that you went down to. I'd say that's all it was going on in your head. Look, look. Yeah. But I went to the, the I know Wednesday replay. I down that long, actually, the first game yeah. as well. Because you're probably thinking they're invincible. You're like, was, they, they, that's what they do. Games. They play football. That's what, what they do. You say. brought a uh, drive down. That's right, yeah. Brought we we went to But I went to the Wednesday game. And then on the Thursday, I went to my father and said, I want a few quid. For what? I want to go see Robs. That was last night. Not the plane again. Yeah, of course, the arse. Get yeah, it's like Jim saying, how could his parents afford to send him to the three games and then the train? Yeah, what if they just wanted to send the Blackrock College? It helps on yeah. the whole family are hoops, so they're, they're, Connery's a real Rovers family, yeah. Yeah, there was, I, it was a long article, but even then I had to leave stuff out. Like, mm-hmm. there was little details, like, the two managers, Dougie Wood for Athlone and Liam Toohey for us, they were both pointing out that, hang on, Dalkey United, a non-league club, only needed one game to get to the quarterfinals, and we needed 11, or it became 11. <laughs> but we never found out why they were so obsessed about getting us to play, you know? Like, the only thing in their favour was, it wasn't like we were playing Can three... Can you think of who was on the board or like that on the FA at the time? Three maybe? nights in a row, but we were playing the same team three nights in a row, so they were as bad as awfully... Like, if we had to play three different league games or something like that, we'd have been yeah, done yeah, for. Yeah. But, like, the thing about it is, John, I know you missed the train, didn't you? Mm. We knew... After Friday, that we were done for on Sunday, yeah. we just knew. Yeah, you know, yeah. You just there's no in fact, I thought if, it's, if it's not yeah. six 0 we'd be that's a great result because yeah. But what was the difference between the Rovers team being tired and the other team being tired as well? Yeah. Do you know, we were very really? good in the Friday, but like, what do you mean, Limerick? Yeah, Limerick were fresh. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like we said this, we were talking about this actually in a match a couple of weeks ago. Seventy three and seventy four, there was a cup in us. There was definitely a cup in us. Yeah, yeah, because there was still a decent. Side it was a decent there. side, and we could have with a bit of with a following win. We could have done something. It was before the Kilkines basically said, "Fuck this, yeah, we're losing a lot of money here." Sort of I mean, schoolboy team. You might take yeah. losing money and being successful, but you know, <laughs> losing money and being shite. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, that doesn't work at all. Ties, you know, yeah. yeah, in fairness, you know. I was oddly, again, something I didn't put in the article. I was oddly interested in the rule book. Region. Rigid, rigidity, yeah, rigidity, rigidity. rigidity. Yeah. But well, you have to remember, this is a time when you know, uh, you know, people believed in it, the fucking rules were rules, rules were rules, and that was it. Like if you came home from school, very Christian teacher, brothers, isn't it? The teacher hit me. Yeah. First did, thing what I imagined, what did you do? You fucking evil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you wouldn't be going. I'm going to call the cops and have this yeah. person arrested. Yeah. Put it on like, Twitter. I'm going to Joe Duffy straight away. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was reading. It was like this so-called emergency committee. Uh, I loved your quote on that, John, by the way. It was just like they'd make a decision on the, the Wednesday and then they'd have another meeting on the Thursday and they'd be like, no, we can't overrule the decision we made yeah. on the Wednesday. I'd Those say, are the rules. I'd say they, they, they said that if the game on Wednesday is a draw, they play on Thursday, assuming that it wouldn't go to that. 
Bones and then when I went, thing, it, isn't it? then I went to tourist <laughs> they obviously went, well, we can't fucking back out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine that's what's happened. And I have a bone to pick of Robert Goggins in his book. He says that Limerick were happy for the game to be called off, but actually, I was following the story in the papers long. They insisted that yeah, game take place. Ah, yeah, they'd be seeing that as. Because yeah. they, would lo- they would lose out on player wages. They would be paying player wages ah. for nothing. But it's also. Have no game. Yeah, no gates. It was like but a boy for them as well. That, they were actually, playing. that reminds yeah. me. I remember uh, being at a game in Limerick uh, and reading the programme. And it would have been around about that time, early 70s. And they had a piece about like, people complaining that we haven't had a home game for, for four weeks. So there's, there's no cash, blah, blah, blah. So I remember. Do you remember that? Who I haven't, was, I haven't what games. situation was it recently where there was um, a team that didn't play a home game for I think it was fucking eight Sligo. weeks. Sligo. Yes, Sligo. Sligo. yes, Sligo. yes. Yeah. that was insane. Yeah. So fifteenth, we'll move on. Fifteenth no, April. Yes, I think so. Uh, Frank O'Neill hit a hat trick against Drogheda at Milltown in the final league game of the season. For the second season in succession, the Hoops finished in fifth place. Mick Leach finished the season top league in Scott League also scored ten goals, so not a great return. No. Top league goal scorer. 5th of May, John Herrick came on as a sub for Tommy Carroll when Ireland drew 1-1 with France in Paris. And the 21st of May, there was sadness amongst all-time supporters when they learned of the sudden passing away of Mick McCarty, the Corkborn goalkeeper from the 1930s who was known for always wearing a cap during games. And there was a joke amongst the Hoops fans that McCarty would grab his cap first when diving to make a save. On the 6th of June, Shamrock Rovers, Eamon Fagan replaced Ray Tracy in the international game against uh, no, uh, Norway in Oslo. So There was a poster on the Ultras forum Eamon Fagan fan club. Eamon Fagan fan club. I, I always used to wonder yeah. who that is. Wasn't he uh, a bit controversial as well? I'm thinking he was. He was not my post, but... Mm-hmm. It was someone, yeah. yeah. Wasn't my post was spotted popular. recently but, as well. But I, no, I, yeah. I actually did, I got to know Eamon. Uh, similar vintage to Martin and myself. And... Uh, well, that's hence why you chose Eamon Fagan. Obviously, favourite oh, player at okay, okay. the time. Yeah. So we're up to 1973, 10 yep. We're flying here. And we finished seventh. So 1973, come on, feel the noise. The dark side of the moon. Angie, killing me softly. Waterloo, ACDC are formed. Alongside with Journey. Casey and the Sunshine Band. The doors disbanded. November 20th, the Who opened their Quadrophenia US tour with a concert at San Francisco's Cow Palace. But drummer Keith Moon passes out and has to be carried off stage. 19-year-old fan Scott Halpin is selected from the audience to finish the show. <laughs> what a golden era for music. Mm-hmm. Can you Have you got memories of... The, of, the opening game of the 73-74 season is a bit of a bit of an event. We were playing Dundalk in the Lenses Senior Cup and it was just madness. Is we this were, up there? Up there. Yeah. And uh, it, it was like during the summer holidays like one thing actually I have to say just as an aside is one thing I envy younger Rovers fans is the summer season because you can imagine like going to football matches when you're on your summer holidays from yeah. school because the big deal for me when I was younger my mum and dad was that uh, can I go up to to a Polly Buffet you're in school tomorrow shut up you know? <laughs> yeah, whereas yeah. in the summer they don't care if you yeah. get the money you can go yeah. 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 To get you can you there's nearly half a season where you could go to away games we went to and not game. have to get up for school the next John time. remember we were on the train Brilliant. going up and there were these three very very scary individuals on it. do you remember those guys and they had these bags with sort of all kinds of weapons in it, and they, they frightened us. And they were Rovers fans, yeah. But the game was hilarious. Though. There was this huge scrap start. Yeah, that was like, when there used to be. There um, used to be a wooden stand. Wooden stand. The I love the how the fact they have bags of tools. Oh, they're yeah, connoisseurs. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're yeah. looking in. They're like, yeah. that's for. Oh, what have you got? Yeah, Screwdriver. Yeah. But they basically saw. But you see, one guy would hold someone down. Yeah. And then the other guy would examine his cranium and go, I think this might crack his skull. 
<laughs> but do you remember we were talking about the guy earlier on? There was a wooden stand actually where. If you look at the the, the the Oriel Park on the TV and you look at the main stand, on the right-hand side there was a wooden stand behind the goal and the Dundalk fans went there. But you had this one, Egypt, who started the song, Do you want to be a boot boy, boot boy? Oh, do, do you want to be an air ganger? And, a, but he was wearing a sombrero, song. yeah, for some reason. Right. And this is Dundalk, folks. 1973. And a big row started and there was a huge... So outside when Retribution was being saw, all they did was look for the guy with the sombrero. Sombrero, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You take it off. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the Texaco Cup, initially comprised of clubs on both sides of the Irish Sea, was revamped and separate and, and separate competition by the same name was launched exclusively for the island of Ireland. So Rovers were drawn against Porter Down in the draw for the first round. As you said earlier on about Porter Down, mm. they wouldn't be shy that of that. That might be the trumpet now. game, actually. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was actually English and Scottish clubs. Yeah, that would be one year, didn't they, I think, Wasn't that yeah. the, the Chewy Toffee uh, Bowls Cup there. that they were in there recently? <laughs> Dude. Look at Dearing the list Brew. of winners there. Dearing Brew, Brew yeah. uh, Caramel Wafer Cup. <laughs> the game that was called off and the yes. half the fans were inside the yes, grounds. Yes. <laughs> so we usually didn't get far enough to play the English clubs. Yeah. So like when Derry knocked us out, they went on to play Wolves. Derby right. won it one year. I think I think United were in the one year. Were they? It was. It was. I think it was a competition in England for the teams that finished the highest without actually qualifying for Europe. Yeah, the best losers. Yeah. The best losers. <laughs> Um, so amid tough competition Rovers successfully wooed Donald Murphy to join up at the Milltown club we convinced him to join up and he was to spend two seasons at Milltown before rejoining Coventry towards the end of the 74-75 season other new faces to arrive at Milltown during the season included Tommy McConville who signed from Waterford Eddie Miller and a young man by the name of Tony Ward who was to make his first team debut during the season so John Herrick decided to turn back to Cork Hibbs is Tony the Ward the rugby end, player? End of the season. No, no Tony player? Ward the Rovers yeah. player. <laughs> he was Rovers before he was That's a, true, yeah. a Northern Star. He started playing rugby when he went to university, I think, or something like that. Yeah, so how long did he play for Rovers? Uh, it was about three or four years. And he then was he there, just uh, played the last season. Well, he won another cup with... Uh, the that must be Limerick. one of the coins, really. But the, but the thing that was, transition. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing I most remember about Tony was... He was by far the best player we had at the time. Yeah. Even though he was quite young. And he fucked off and played rugby. Yeah, and I remember thinking, if only he'd been born in Sheriff Street instead of Terran Euro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so July, with the Shamrock Rovers 11 played a star-studded Brazil team at Lansdowne Road in what was a historic occasion as the Rovers team consisted of current international players drawn from both the Republic and Northern Ireland. And Brazil won 4-3, so an absolute humdinger. You were there? Give us your memories. Yeah. Uh, Kilcoyne was behind this now, wasn't he? It was a bit of a sad time. time yeah. Yeah. It was 4-1, uh, and we were leaving. Ah, that, that's the end of that. Heard a huge <laughs> roar, run back in. It's 4-2. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, well, that's it now. We leave again. Huge roar, go back in. What happened? It's 4-3. Oh, <laughs> so, anyway, definitely this time. That's it now. We're done. Leaving, huge roar, come back in. What happened? Pat Jennings just saved the penalty. So everything good in the game we missed because we were trying to get the early train home. Wasn't know? this the Shamrock Rovers team that was labelled Rovers, but it wasn't Rovers? Well, they couldn't yeah. call it an all-earned team yeah. because the FEI yeah. and the UFA couldn't agree. So the Shamrock yeah. Rovers were sectioned on the jerseys, wasn't it? I think, yeah, you know? that's right. Martin yeah. O'Neill played. Well, yeah. He did. Yeah. Uh, Derek Dugan du- was involved. He never played for Northern Ireland again after that. He was, he was like kind of... Yeah, he was seen it. as being instrumental in the whole thing. And that was back when Harry Cavan was uh, the head of Very powerful the UFA. Yeah. And, you know... Derek was was seen as a bit of a traitor, really. Yeah. You know? but, it was, but it was one of definitely one of those. We were there days, though. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I remember. Who was? He actually brought that lo- first thing when we mentioned that. What's the first thing that came into your head? Bar the leaving people leaving the game. Who? What struck you as like a performance or a player for Brazil? 
were you starstruck? Well, Jorginho played. So Pele had gone at that stage, and Carlos Alberto, and a lot of the guys from 1970 had gone. But was it? A, it wasn't a sellotape to get our Brazil team. No, was no, it? It was geez, the big it was ones. Pretty good side, yeah. yeah they got to the semi-finals side. of the World Cup the following year. Mm. Yeah, but they was, just weren't as good as the 1970. Rivellino oh. would have been the team. They had this guy uh, Mourinho, who's a blonde player, and he always stuck out. And he was really good. But uh, Jorginho would have been the most yeah, famous. Yeah, to put it in a, in a kind of musical context, it was like uh, if you think of Brazil 1970 as the Beatles. We kind of saw wings. wings yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but maybe not Paul McCartney, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Dublin City Cup competition won eight times um, with Shamrock Rovers, 44, 45 to 66 to 67. Scrapped, so one of the many cups that we competed in through the years is gone. And we won it twice on corners. I was thinking of that earlier on. I was thinking, what well, was the, I thought was the league was decided on corners. That's, we were at a game yeah. once That's in crazy Tolka, thing. and yeah. they went extra time. And they said if it's if it's a, if it's a, it was a Sligo, I think Peter oh, Tuck was playing for us. Remember Peter Tuck? They luck. said if it's if it's still full time at the end of uh, mm. if it's still the draw, we decided on corners, which we were fascinated by. But unfortunately, Sligo scored, so that was the end of that. Yeah. Three years before the Atlon three replays, we'd actually beaten Atlon on corners. Yeah. But obviously, for these minor competitions, they use stuff like harness. But yeah. when it came yeah. to the it's cup, it's an interesting idea. Well, it had yeah. to be replays. Yeah, there's a lot of money in yeah. FAI yeah. Cup yeah. replays where you, you might get a decent crowd for a one-off. Were the Cunninghams involved game. in the corners? Since you went over yeah, nine point five, wasn't? But there was also a thing about we were saying earlier that um, if there were, were say a big cup game, they would tend to finish in draws for a very, very sort of big replay. The Cunninghams would kind of have a chat with the directors of the other club and all that kind of thing. So there was always rumours about match fixing and stuff like that. Yeah, my dad actually has a memory because my dad went to games regularly in the late 50s uh, and then he stopped going, he says, because he, he discovered drink and women. <laughs> drink and but, women. Uh, he saw, Good old Joseph. <laughs> he saw one of these wins on corners in the Dublin City Cup and he vividly remembers Liam he win the corner late in the game, probably late in extra time. So he forces a corner and he said, the whole ground erupted. <laughs> like we no scored one. a goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Different times. It's crazy. Second September, amid dwindling attendances, we spoke about earlier on. The legislators scrapped the League of Ireland Shield and replaced it with a new League Cup. So Rovers got off to a good start in a new competition when they beat Dundalk four three at Milltown, but very poorly. Yeah, three 0 down. Three one. Three one down. Came back to four three, and the remainder of the group finishing fourth out of six in Group A. So a group format was. Uh, Something we don't have now at the minute. Yeah. 23rd of September, having come back from being 2 1 down at home to Sligo Rovers in the League Cup at Milltown, the Hoops finished the game. Sorry, losers. 3 2. So, what had become of Shamrock Rovers? Glenmalore was once a fortress where the opponents feared to come, the crowds had dwindled badly, and the homely pace of the ground was once. The <coughs> The ground once under the Cunninghams looked tattered and badly in need of refurbishment. Can you remember? Was there a gradual de- decline of Glenmalore? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, was it not a case of fans taking it by the scruff and giving it a lick of paint? No, no it wasn't like that because basically everyone fucked off. Yeah, it's as simple the, the, as that. One, we, the, the one image that we, we another thing we talked about earlier and it stuck in our minds. There was it was later on in the seventies that there was a game near the end of the season where a ball got stuck in the guttering at the front of the of the stand, and it was stuck there. And we played a game a few weeks later, and it was still there. And then during the summer we went up about something getting tickets for some game and it was still there oh, and John always says that kind of was a symbol of nobody yeah. could be arsed like yeah. broken windows yeah just in nobody the, could be bothered to fix yeah. them yeah no one's fixing them mm. yeah so whatever else could be said to the Cunninghams they never failed to look far and wide to strengthen the squad and when it was needed even even see this this quote now has me wanting to go down the rabbit hole they always look to get the best players in you know mm. there's um 
obviously that's what every football board was, but there's probably a, a hidden agenda there with that one. But they looked to strengthen the squad, and it was needed when they left behind a good track record in the players they brought to the club in almost four deca- decades, which they ruled the roost. So 40 years of Cunningham rule. The money just didn't seem to be there anymore to bring in that special signing or two when it was needed, and the team struggled as a consequence. Can I, has Bobby Collins come into the, onto the picture at this stage? He, he yeah. gets a mention uh, pretty soon now. I Bobby think. Collins is... Without doubt, the dirtiest player I have ever seen in my life. He w- he and the smallest. He was actually he was five foot three. The smallest, dirtiest five player. Three. Yeah. The, the, the reputation of dirty leads with Giles and Bremner. Bobby Collins was the godfather there. They all learned that yeah. his knee. He yeah. was the he was he captain Leeds in the nineteen sixty five cup final. That's where that term comes from, dirty leads. Yeah. Bobby Collins behind that. And he was he was forty two or forty three when he played for Rovers, but <laughs> At the stage he was with us, he would literally just stand in the centre circle and kick anything that came inside. <laughs> Whether it was the opposition, his own team, the referee, small boys were running on to get autographs. He'd just kick everything. <laughs> small yeah. boys. <laughs> he was fairness, most of the small boys were he, taller you know, he was, But you know the way fans would always, if you have a dirty player, and you go, ah, he's one of our own. We were just terrified of him. Yeah. Uh, he randomly came up in an RTE panel once. I think England were playing Uruguay in the World Cup. And Johnny Giles went off on as one of his tangents, as he used to do. And he, he said, oh, I remember speaking to Bobby Tambling, he said, or Bobby Collins. Yeah. And he said, and he had a phrase, would he kid his granny? <laughs> <laughs> and he would kid his granny to win a game of football. He would, actually. Well, he'd give her a high tackle, I think. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was such a weird time in the 70s in terms of footballers. Who are past it being brought over? Francis Bournes. Mad over, money yeah. being spent on them as well. Well, I don't know if it's mad crazy, money, but I mean, we, you know, George Best, one of the goalkeepers, Bobby, Bobby Charlton, Gordon Banks, Ubi Sailor. <laughs> yeah, Ubi Sailor. Yeah, Ubi played Sailor. played one game in Cork Celtic oh, against the Rovers. That's the game. And scored um, two goals. Scored two goals, and Rovers scored yeah, six. Yeah, so I was, was going to bring it up. Yeah, all these fading stars coming back. I'm telling you, there's no, there's, no, there's one reason they come back and a few quid. Oh yeah, It'd be very interested to see what it was in today's money. But um, we have the 15th of October. Rovers host Manchester United in an exhibition game at Daly Mount Park. But due to crowd encroachment onto the pitch, which tra- to turn the occasion to a farce, the referee had no other choice but to call the game for full time. Nine minutes left. George best last goal for United in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prof, prof has a little stat on him here. Still a, have the program at home. <laughs> a crowd of roughly twenty thousand attended the game, providing the hoops with some much needed finance, and the money was ra- was used to bring in Donald Murphy, Dougie Wood, Bobby Collins, Tommy McConville, and he was. Um, Unsettled at Kilcoyne Park, so subject to a player exchange deal, which took Mick Leach to Warfield, which we don't actually see anymore. We don't see swap deals yeah. no. anymore, really. It's not a thing that exists in football, but Mick Leach going to Warford, how did that feel? Oh, it went down like a lead balloon, as you can imagine. It's, it's, I mean, he was a Rovers, told him. Just, yeah, go, just to, sh- to shoot forward to the Cup in 74, um, but we got a draw down. You went down to the first game, didn't you? Yeah. And the yeah, replay, at, down the replay at Milltown. Um, they beat us 1 0, and Mick scored a goal. And as I said here earlier, Mick was my. Yeah, God. hero. And I was broken hearted. But the weird thing was, he it was about four or five weeks before Dennis Law got that infamous goal for City against United and didn't celebrate with the year United went down. And with Mick, it was pretty similar. He looked good, didn't he? When he yeah, scored. He, he wasn't happy. He just that didn't he celebrate. He just walked back to centre circle, and it was such a sad, like. I'm what just, was it like I'm, for you as a fan seeing your hero score against I'm your actually team? tearing up just yeah. now, but like it just he was big was a pro and you, you accept it and everything but it was heartbreak and he, it hurt him you could see you know? yeah old school dub from yeah. the conversation we have it just has his morals old school dub real real top top fella so knocked us out of the cup yeah so just on that game George Best like you said the rep 20,000 
most of them there to see George Best, really. Most of the much young yeah. fans. Just well, except the ones who wanted to beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There so was a lot of trouble that night. Frank O'Neill penalty. Yeah. But so I think it was, it, was, it was one of his very, very last games for United, I think. Yeah. So the referee blows the whistle 10 minutes from time. George Best hears the whistle and he is gone down the tunnel and the crowd come on the pitch and they chase Was this in Daily Mount? Yeah. yeah. I think he was going to the hole. <laughs> Apparently when they played Waterford when they played Waterford in the European Cup in 68 and uh, the match the home games played in Lansdowne wasn't it? Apparently yeah. it was things like kids were, were getting autographs from people taking corners and all this kind of thing you know, it was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant but we're coming up to Christmas with the 20th of December just when the hoops were starting to get things together and the new players were beginning to settle into the squad Liam Toohey sensationally quit at uh, as manager as Mill, uh, Milltown so his assistant Paddy Ambrose um, he heard the news well he was in a shop in County Kerry and immediately tendered his resignation so former player Shake Yo took charge of team affairs in a couple of days as the club directors were caught completely on the hop by two he sudden, sudden resignation so Shane Noonan Dickie Giles and Dougie Wood were appointed as new manager team within days can you remember this that's the shortest round in history Shake Yo two days yeah two yeah. days can you remember this no can you yeah, I just vaguely remember it. Um, I mean, things were, were spoiling at that stage, you know. Um, and uh, the only good thing about them was we didn't realise what was going to happen next. You know, that this is when we were coming to, like for me, a really low point. Possibly the loss as well. And especially considering what had happened. Lowest point following Rovers? Mid-70s, because we were basically, it was a kid's team with yeah, Cherry Orchard. Up to that point, this was the lowest. Yeah. Jesus. So, 20th of February, the glory days in the FAOA Cup um, we're well and truly behind them as the Hoops were beaten 1-0 in the first round replay by Warford and Milltown to make matters worse for Aarhus fans it was one of their all-time favourites Mick Leach like we spoke about earlier yeah. on playing for the Blues who scored the goal and knocks us out of the Cup so Martin's tearing up here we're getting some tissues <laughs> 14th of, <laughs> 14th of April the curtain came down on the season as the final league game away to Cork Hibs which the Hoops lost 3-1 so a four game winning streak we were there for that yeah, yeah, four, yeah, yeah. yeah. that one yeah. Easter Sunday it was, I think, it was a good crack actually, actually yeah. thinking back now was that Hibs like, did Hibs go the league then Cork Celtic won the title uh, Bowles and Cork yeah, so Cork Celtic won the second. league title Bowles and Cork Hibs finished David joint Park's second got a player of the year award and then mm. broke his leg five minutes later or something like that in the mm. match yeah, there was so Rovers weren't even the top club in Dublin at this oh. time so um, mm. a good day out yeah, how'd day. you get down train the train we'll talk about that 74-75 we finished 8 so I'm getting upset even thinking about the 70s this is barren yeah. this yeah. is barren 6th, 7th, 8th, 6th it gets worse it gets worse <laughs> runners up Leinster runners up in the Leinster Senior Cup prof well. we'll win it in your we'll win it someday <laughs> um, hopefully not Aaron Green arguing with the with the main stand 1974 Kung Fu fighting I shot the Sheriff Barbara Streisand Jackson 5 Abba win the Eurovision in Brighton Sonny and Cher divorce Stevie Nicks joins Fleetwood Mac and Blondie is formed so Stephen Nicks joining Fleetwood Mac that would have been a big one for me now if I was around back then uh, Mick Megan was the successful candidate for the vacant manager's post at Milltown Megan who had a prolonged spell in English League most notably with Everton faced an uphill battle to bring the club back to the summit of Irish football so the former Shelbourne player Theo Dunn was also appointed as assistant um, and you much memory of this both gentlemen actually passed away quite yeah, recently poor old Mick kind yeah of, it was very unfortunate yeah. but he was always seen as the yardstick for he was blamed for a lot of our bad problems and it was always when you, when you kind of go well our worst manager was Mick Megan and then there was Noel King and then it was Roddy and he'll never be beaten you know but, uh, but there was a fact there was John remember this there was um, there was 
an advertising hurling at the Gonzaga end in Milltown. <laughs> and it was for the, by the public health board. And it was with cigarettes, you just can't win. <laughs> and somebody had taken down cigarettes and put up. You go and blow your bleeding nose. <laughs> go and blow your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. You know, but someone oh, had taken out the word cigarettes and put in Mick Megan. You just can't win, the girl. But, it was, <laughs> but he was basically he was managing a, a kid's team, really, wasn't it? It was a t- team of schoolboys from Cherry, Cherry Orchard. Cherry Orchard, yeah. yeah. Cherry Orchard, yeah. I mean, by that stage, now the crowds are getting really low, and you kind of went to Rovers out of habit, yeah. That's like now that's it goes back to the real hardcore and you could compare it to the picket days. Oh yeah, and leaving very much so. It was that but, bad. Well, this is when you started getting to know a lot of people. Yeah, who were there because same there wa- faces because there wasn't a lot of people. Yeah, you saw, you saw but you realise it's about a bit more than the football then, and like yeah, and it's the social thing as well. It's about like we're probably starting to be able to get to pubs at this stage. As yeah, well, things so. the atmosphere was still really good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Doolan wrote a tribute to the late McMegan hoop scene recently. Passed away in November at the age of 88. And uh, Theo passed away, didn't he? Was Theo yeah. yeah. relation to Tommy? Uh, his uncle, I think yeah, he's Yeah, the, 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 the Duns are famous. Yeah. Richard's Richard Richard yeah. father, is he? Yeah, Theo yeah. in February, just gone. Yeah, so McMegan had a very good career. 11 years at Everton, won a league title with them. 17 caps for Ireland. And this is a stat I really like. Mick and his son, Mark. Yeah. Played the same together. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's cup against Pats. I love these ones. Uh, That's right. <laughs> they knew the game. FAI could be played against Pats 1976. 76, was it? Yeah. Pretty sure that's the last time that's happened. In the League of Ireland. Father and son either combo. Either Good Johnson uh, actually mm. substituted his own father in an international game for Iceland. Oh, that's Johnson. right, yeah. yeah. But I remember that, that, that was a big day at the time, the Megans. You know? Mm. I think the last one I heard of was Rivaldo. Assisted his son. I think and that was a friendly. I think though. he retired. Was Still, it, was that yeah. again in the Angolan league? I'm I do remember. Sure. That actually. Oh, maybe it was a league game. I think yeah. you played in Angola, but, the Angola Premier League. But it is Angola. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll we'll move on. So after an unbroken run of service that stretched back to 61-62, Frank O'Neill packed his bags and left Milltown to sign for Waterford. So the goalkeeper Pat Dunn was the sole remaining link with the great era of the 60s. They're so all going to the Waterford. The spine yeah. of the team is gone, and the Goalkeeping legend, that he just stuck around. Currently, um, hopefully, not a situation that we're gonna be, we're gonna be looking for a new keeper ourselves in next season. We're actively looking for a new yeah. keeper now, as it is. Do you really want to bring up goalkeeping situations? In this, in the I think provinces? I was sitting here. I was sitting here when I got the daggers of a lifetime off of <laughs> Stephen Bradley, because I quite I, I asked him about his potential candidates for a new goalkeeper, which was when twenty nineteen maybe. 2021 as well. But it's amazing the way things went back then. So you can see the gradual decline. Mm-hmm. Like every year, it's just getting that little bit worse. Connie himself, he went, yeah. ah, look, lads, this is going fucking south. Let's get the fuck out of here, you know? What are we on 4th September? So the 4th September, in a desperate effort to reduce the annual budget at Milltown, new inferior terms were offered to the players, but not all of them accepted, and Mick Megan was forced to line out himself the fourth game of the season, a League Cup tie at Shelburne, which the Hoops won. Robbie Cook, who had previously played for John Condra, got both goals for overs. Five of the previous season squad, Davis Hendricks, Whelan Fagan and Daly, were not available, arising out of their refusal to accept new terms and were placed on the transfer list. So I'm guessing there was a few kids scalped. This is when the squad gets really young now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're just a bunch of kids. Yeah. Willing to play for the Hoops, yeah, thinking it's a, it's a chance. With the name being a little bit prestigious, mm-hmm. I'd imagine as well. So, third of October, Donald Murphy was recognised for his good form during the League Cup, including a hat trick against Adlone, by being named as John Player Player of the Month. 
for September. Did, did you get a you got 200 a cigarettes? A couple of hundred yeah, cigarettes. We got a sleeve, a sleeve of cigarettes. Um, 6th of October. The new management of Megan and Dunn got off to a good start in the league with a 4-1 win home to Sligo Rovers. So what followed was pretty disastrous though as they lost their next three games on the trot. On the 14th of October, Shamrock Rovers were fined and removed from the League Cup semi-finals <sighs> with Sligo Rovers being reinstated <laughs> in their place as the club was found guilty of a serious breach of competition rules. The Hoops had played defender Eddie Miller in the final game away to St. Pat's despite the media report beforehand that Miller was ineligible and Rovers have a bit of form here with this. What a um, shambles. So this happened in... First Division, wasn't it? 2006, yeah. yeah. 2006, this got us the points deduction, 10 points. What was the player's no, name again? It was, um, was it more or it less? It wasn't even very good, that was the annoying thing. <laughs> but the, 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 the irritating thing was we were in the right there because he was in Dub- he was with Dublin City and the FAI held his registration when they when they went bust and we signed them and they should have said to us, by the way, this guy has a suspension. Yeah, It was up to them to tell us, they yeah. didn't. But it went to an independent adjudicator. But we, I think it was two And points. they weren't seen to be a, a fault? But of course, of course not. But it was, yeah. I think it, was, it wasn't that big. It was a two-point deduction, I think, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, it's 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 it was a the end, or didn't it? Was it Paul or something? Oh, one of the listeners will know. It'll come now. back to us later a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, the 26th of December. It's Stevens' day. Uh, Rovers met Bowles in the final of the Leinster Senior Cup. Something we touched on recently, Prof. And it's, were any of you gentlemen at this one? Oh, sorry, were you on the pitch? That was 3-1, uh, wasn't it? It was uh, 1-1 and, and Tommy McConville scored the equaliser for Rovers. I think I, I think I was not unfamiliar with the pitch during that game. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you stayed in the stand? <laughs> I, I, no, I think I just ran from one end to the other. The <laughs> chance of a loyal supporter, which that was made the thing, my though, day. Like yeah. having the Leinster Senior Cup on, on St. Stephen's Day. Was that, that still a thing in Britain? That now when yeah. you think about it. Was, it a Brit- was that a thing in Britain at the time where you'd play football on Boxing Day over there? Well, well over there they used to play on Christmas Day and... The, the last, Christmas the last, the last Christmas, Christmas Day, Day match yeah. in Britain was in the seventies, and it was in Scotland. I think the last time they had English league games was in the fifties. But they, you would play on Christmas Day, and as they call it, Boxing Day, and it would be a reverse fixture. Yeah, and you'd have things like Manchester would be Blackpool seven 0 and then lose six 0 in the, the next day or something. <laughs> but in terms of the drink kicked in, but in terms spectators, like back then, it was a chance to get out of the house. You were stuck in the house all day Christmas Day. So, mm. Steam's Day, oh, Jay, so that's good. Day, the Daily Mail. That's the period of time where you fun. lose track of the days, isn't it? But over if Steam's Day fell on a Sunday, it was a, it was a, a league match day. In fact, quite recently when we were in um, when we were out in Santry, we were due to play UCD on the, on the Steam's Day, and the game was called off the last minute. In fact, I was in a taxi mm. up and I got a phone call. It's off. We're in the camera. Actually, yeah, page, I, yeah. I, I fairly recently I remember covering the Shells game in Tolgath on St. Stephen's Day. Can't remember what year it was, but it would have been. The last 20 years, and yeah, the Steve, Christmas Eve ones were always the one that broke your heart. Yeah. So, Martin, you were on the Games pitch. on Christmas Eve? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a I famous one, Dundalk, Dundalk 1978. Martin, you were on the pitch that day. I, I uh, believe, I, well, my lawyer has just advised me that <laughs> I, that may not be true. Whereas <laughs> your quiz master, Buddy, Justin Mason, has only one pitch invasion on his CV. And, and he was dressed as a female. Ah, in yeah, a dress, yeah. on his stags, in Galway. Do you remember, it was the madness that ensued that whole game, it was brilliant, we have great memories of Galway, and we're, we're all on the stand, we're having a crack, and you just see a bloke in a dress, running across the pitch, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, we were at, we were actually fairness, at the, that's, it kind of sums up Galway, doesn't we, it? We yeah. were actually at the stag, yeah, so we, we kind of knew what was coming, like, yeah, and who was Whose idea was that? Um, his best man, uh, 
a well-known League of Ireland referee. Oh, yeah. okay. So there you <laughs> nice. go. Who shall remain um, nameless because yeah. everybody knows who but he I, is. But I'm surprised he didn't send Joe's off because he usually does it with Rovers people anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 2nd of March, we had two first-half penalties by a young John McCormick effectively wrapped up the points for league leaders Bowes at Milltown. Donald Murphy managed a sole reply for the hoops and the result of this game increased Bowes' <laughs> chances of Captain Giggles here I, I with I the just, John McCormick makes me laugh actually because the famous... Uh, Singer from Athlone, uh, Count John McCormick, yeah. And a friend of mine was always rhapsodising about, he's a Bowes fan, he rhapsodised about Count John McCormick. He says, yeah, his, uh, his nickname at Rovers was almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Shamrock Rovers, a club that led the pace in the league one of the decades, the result kept him in an unaccustomed 10th place in the table. So here, here was Bowes on course for the league title, having only been Little amateur. old Bowes who were yeah. relevant at the time. So 7th March, it was. It took uh, two games for Rovers to overcome non-league side Park Villa. Oh, are they still going? Luck. Are they still playing? They are. I, I think, think they're still so, around. Yeah. There's it's a Ray Kyo, isn't it? Where are Park Villa from? There's a sad... Navin or Na- something is it like that. Somewhere somewhere made something anyway. that happened in the second match with Joe. Yeah, from Navin, yeah. You're right. Because yeah. yeah. the first game was played up in Oriel. Nil all draw. But do you remember what? Remember the carry on and stuff. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ray, Ray was a mixed race guy, you know. And, and he played for Rovers. Played for Rovers, but the uh, I've never heard racism like in my life. The second match, it was just really? disgusting. Yeah, first black player to play in the league, Warren. He was, yeah. yeah. Really, he was yeah. a real, real dope, a real yeah. Rovers man. But it was just, and do you know what? He was, he was a good, and he kind of just laughed it off. Yeah. Whereas he should have told him, "Got on top of the yeah, like, it yeah, was just yeah. awful. The shed in Milltown that day was just poisonous. Yeah, really, but, but uh, mm. awful, awful day. But we won't, but we won't, so they, they didn't care, you know. Yeah. 20th of March, a penalty miss, but a usually reliable Don Murphy proved costly. Hoops were beaten 1-0 by Bowles in the replay of the Lancer Senior Cup final at Deddy Mount Park. So this didn't sting as much as it would nowadays, I'd imagine. No. Because they were still relatively, there was no well, real rivalry, was there? It's well, still a cup final loss. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's still a cup final loss, but like I... I can't imagine we were only speaking about having a cup final against Balls. No, I wouldn't be the there. I, I wouldn't be there. I, I'd go away or something. I just couldn't. I'd go there. away. No. There was actually a couple of times on the tap. Like there was, we could have played Pats a few years ago. I remember Derry beat us in the semi. I was oh. always praying that Derry would win. I couldn't face even playing Pats. Can you imagine, but like Balls. Dragon rights. I, I know I've lots of Balls mates who are exactly the same. Like yeah, I just couldn't couldn't face it at all. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously a gentleman's agreement between two clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Right lads, no cup finals. Bowls are in the final, right? We're taking the dice. There's only been one, 1945. Yeah. Yeah. Only Rowers, Bowls, FBI Cup final. In fact, they held the record up until recently, didn't I think? Another trophy for the Bowls cabinet. Oh, yeah. There you go. 20th of April, as after fighting an illness over a number of years, Joe Cunningham passed away. Joe had forced taken up his position of chairman of Shamrock Rovers in 23 and also served in that capacity from 1935 to 1972. Wow. His contribution to Irish soccer and to Shamrock Rovers in particular was immense. That's unbelievable. Some rain. Uh, 9th of June, a charity game in aid of Dublin Simon Community featured a Shamrock Rovers 11 and a Dublin GAA 11, which featured many of the current Dublin footballers (laughs) held at Milltown and attracted the biggest crowd at Glamour Park for years. The Dubs won the game. Dubs won the game! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bernard Brogan got two goals, I think, didn't he? We were on the, we actually yeah, we were on the pitch. Who was, the, on the, on who the was t- good that day for the, for the gap players? Brogan, Bernard Brogan was pretty good. They both don't score a penalty the first that day. Yeah. But we were actually, it was so such a relaxed game, we were actually lying on the touchline sort of sideways. Yeah, yeah. And UCD hoarding, on the hill. And hoarding yeah. insults at the Dubs. And like it was <laughs> very much a charity fundraiser yeah, yeah. around yeah, yeah, a serious yeah. game of football. But the thing that struck me was that about 80 to 90% of the attendants were Dubs mm. fans. 
Yeah, well, and we found that quite depressing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Seventy-five, seventy-six league position. Oh, for fuck's sake! So this is it, Gary. We are bottom heading into yeah. rock bottom. We're uh, going. I'll, I'll read this music. We can't. Actually. We um, can't even get relegated because there's nowhere to go, is there? Fourteen. Oh. So nineteen seventy-five. Uh, Robbers fans will know this song. Hold me close by David Essex. Absolutely. Bohemian Rhapsody. You sexy thing by Hot Chocolate. Wish you were here, Pink Floyd. The Bee Gees begin their international comeback. And three bands are formed, Iron Maiden, Motorhead, and the Boomtown Rats. Uh, Sex Pistols perform their first concert. St. Martin's College of Art. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, October 27th, Bruce Springsteen appears on the covers of both Time and Newsweek magazines in the same week. Elvis Presley performs the biggest audience of his career at the Pontiac Michigan Silverdome during the show Elvis rips his pants on stage and has to leave the change <laughs> so Elvis wasn't your cup of tea it was a bit I was a bit young for Elvis I think the Beatles would have been our, our boys early on but Elvis was someone like that my, I would consider my parents like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah Big Deck was a big Elvis fan though you know. <laughs> I was George Porn, no actually. Big Deck yeah. was one of your parents yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. he was all our father also in 1975 the Bass Sports Book of Bass. Bass. Or bass. Or bass. bass. Sorry, sorry, Bass. <laughs> point of, what was it? Uh, ba- bass. Point of bass yeah. Ah, Bass, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? My granddad used to say that. Yeah. Ah, Bass. Well, Don and Sean Ryan. Yeah, now, they were two Irish independent football journalists yeah. back in the day. Now, I mean, the Rothmans yearbook came that out in old, 1969. Yeah. But in terms of Irish football, this was so ahead of its time. Well, this had, was that, just falls to the brim of stats. Yeah. Did you get this at the time? No, we had there was a couple. There was the book of the who? What was the book? The F, the book of the FAI Cup, which came out a few years later. That no, was in the eighties. Yeah, that was Sean Ryan, was wasn't Sean it? Sean Ryan, and yeah. there was another one about the league and everything. I remember before yeah. that there used to be uh, Con Martin's soccer annual. Yeah, that's right. Which yeah. obviously was an annual event. Um, but even that's not in the in this book. Well, you know, I remember well, seeing that so book, but I never had it. Well, yeah. basically, Tom Martin's soccer annual was more kind of pictorial. Yeah. Shall yeah. we say it was more like a magazine? Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of styled on Charles Buckins football, football monthly in England. <laughs> Um, but the only way to put that together is just to spend hours upon hours looking at newspaper archives. Yeah, exactly. There's no information. It's dedication, isn't it? So we're going to talk about Rovers. However, they expected to restore the glory days was a mystery, considering that the further cost-cutting measures were introduced that season. Experienced players were transferred out, and following the appointment of John Wilkes as the U team manager, almost the entire Cherry Orchard under-18 team had swept the board in their final season. Schoolboy football were recruited by the hoops, which is a common thing in, in youth football for a rake of players to leave and go to another team. Glenmalore Park itself was a shabby state, which the pitch... Um, and, and ground in general requiring a small amount of investment and a lick of paint you could say yeah um, John Wilkes died a couple of years ago sadly and we had his brother John on the show last year he's the fella in Mexico brilliant oh really That's Br- brilliant yeah. brilliant uh, now that John interview. Wilkes is John Wilkes senior oh the guy sorry who died is actually John Wilkes junior oh sorry, sorry I got the mixed son, up yeah. a, John similar vintage to myself I remember him being at Rovers and over the years, yeah, you know, yeah. and Anto as well before he went off to Mexico. And by the way, lads, I thought that was brilliant having Anto it, on. It was just it was a fish <laughs> out of water type yeah. piece, wasn't it? It was it was just so it was left field. It was brilliant. I, Someone I actually it. came up to me and said, just that specific interview it was like I'd love that interview so much. Yeah. Like, that's what he's highlighted. <laughs> it was superb. <laughs> so twenty fifth of July, own goal. 
by Eamon Fagan gave West Brom a 1-0 win and a pre-season friendly at Milltown and West Brom were managed by Johnny Giles who uh, also managed the Republic of Ireland which is something you don't see anymore as well is dual managership you could say no. which was a thing all in hand or managed or at the same time he managed Pats yeah and there you the, go the famous game against Italy where the, it was overloaded he brought on Paul McGrath for his first cap uh, earning Pats a sell-on of several thousand yeah. oh so, well there you go <laughs> well played there yeah. yeah. well played it, sir you don't see it now right? I think Laurie Sanchez tried it for a while with Fulham in Northern Ireland I don't think it lasted long no it's it's um, a conflict now isn't yeah. it again as I was saying earlier like, there weren't as many internationals it's oh, a full-time job now. Yeah, now it, it was a part-time job then, you know. Uh, the question was, Robbers against West Brom. Who was Joe Barnes supporting that day, Gar? Oh, yeah. Big the fan of both Joe clubs. Barnes, yeah. Loves them both. Uh, 11 of September, Shamrock Rovers put an impressive performance against the Japanese national team, <laughs> winning 3-2 <laughs> in the first of their three-game trip to the Orient. I think we listened to that on the radio, didn't we? In yeah. someone's house. We, yeah. that we beat Japan. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Robbie Cook scored twice with Jackie Jemison getting That's the other goal. Yeah, Tommy yeah. McConville had uh, he'd not been placed on the he'd been placed on transfer list and he didn't travel. You'd nearly take yourself off the transfer list just to go to fucking Tokyo, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy, lads. Yeah. Um, and uh, he went to Dundalk a couple of days after the hoops left for Dublin. Uh, left Dublin for Japan, so the hoops lost their other two games against the Japanese national team, two 0 and one 0 So that's a random, wasn't it? We went to Japan. Uh, a young Al O'Neill went on this tour this was his first season so he was Pat Dunne's understudy and this shows how ruthless footballers can be at times because Dunne actually deliberately made sure Alan didn't play any of those three games so a bit of insecurity in the yeah. part of Pat Dunne there even though he was a top goalkeeper yeah yeah. Uh, we could obviously see Alan coming up in the rearview mirror yeah. and yeah. Uh, I mean that's one thing we've been blessed with keepers over the decades that's yeah. one thing that I when I was with Jody in the Irish Town House, Jody Bourne, I I didn't know he was so young when he came to the team yeah. and how established. Who who did he? Th- Anon Neil. And Anon Neil yeah. was like such a hero to when so he, many Rovers fans. He told fans. me that I was thinking he was nineteen when Jim he came McLaughlin to the team. Jim McLaughlin comes in and the first thing he does what is get rid of Al, gets rid of Anon Neil and brings in the reserve goalkeeper at Dundalk. We thought this guy is a waster. Get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. This like what a show. Yeah. Jim what a said show. Jim said he regret he didn't regret signing Jody, but he said he it was kind of a miscommunication with Alan O'Neill yeah. and he kind of regretted it later because obviously what he did with UCD yeah and the cup final was the reasons when well, we won the league yeah. in 94 that Alan finally won the league with us mm. that was magic that, that was, yeah. and that was such a big deal for him because I remember interviewing him actually that such a gentleman isn't he and, yeah. a great guy great guy such a nice because he won an FA Cup with us he won the league and he played for St Malachy's my local he played for Malachy's did he that's like Baz Barry Murphy only retired last week he was playing for Leicester, Leicester Celtic, Celtic, yeah. Leicester Celtic. So, I don't know, Neil, we're talking about his first season at the club. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Neil, we're talking about 1975 here. He goes on to keep 120 clean sheets, which Alamanis only equals now in yeah. the year mm. 2023. Wow. And he was, he, was, he, was, he was rooting for him. Alan was rooting yeah. for him. He said, <laughs> I know he's going to get it eventually. Which, yeah. in fairness... He is scraping over the line. Alan Manis is scraping mm. over the line when you think about it. He's forty-one, and I, you also have to remember that Alan O'Neill was a goalkeeper in a not great Rovers team. In mm. back then, back then, yeah. yeah, yeah. So accumulating that amount of of clean sheets mm. is is so. You, you see from early on that I mean, he, Alan was very unfortunate in terms. Of, I remember he picked up a really bad injury. But where was it? 
Was it over in Portugal? Yeah, I think so. Um, pre-season was it? There was, I remember Liverpool were sniffing around he, at the time. He played for the League of Ireland against Liverpool and he apparently had a blinder. And Bob Paisley was very interested in bringing them up. But he did, he did a good job in the Civil Service. Yeah, yeah. That's where he, uh, he was making frantic calls looking for a, a goalkeeper for the relegation playoff, am I right? That was a crazy situation, yeah. He, he was the in his office, on the spent phone. the whole day trying to get goalkeepers Biggest in. game in Robert's history in, in, in that, that, sticks in that me. era, It really sticks with me. That I can only imagine him sitting in the office, the bleak, colourless, lifeless office. When he took over, though, he said at the time, like he took over the share that Roddy had brought in. And he said, they're the most fittest players I've ever seen in my life. It was a joke how bad they were. Yeah. Wow. And like he really they left it in his lap. Like, he could do nothing. Yeah. yeah. The fair play to him for standing in. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean it, it stands to him, doesn't it? Um, we'll talk about the 24th September now. Just two days following the return to Dublin, the Hoops were in action in their first competitive game of the season. Uh, domestic season, rearranged League Cup game against Home Farm and lost 2-1. So that was two days FAI after Cup holders. flying home from Japan now. Two, da- two days. Probably it wasn't the same day. Yeah. <laughs> Organisation <laughs> isn't strong, is strong. Uh, yeah, they'll have a replay <laughs> against Japan, don't we? Yeah. Uh, home Farm still the last non-league club to win the FAI Cup. Um, do you we were there. That? We were there. Last yeah. non-league team. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, they were. No, they, they weren't. They were in the first division. Were in the first division. Yeah. No, there was. No, they weren't. Francis said the last one. Am I right? Francis. They, no, the they didn't win. Fought to the final. final. Bray beat them. Someone got a hat trick. Home Farm won it in '75. Home Farm won it in '75. They beat. Uh, we were there Shales. actually, and it was. Um, it was oh, funny yeah. because I think Shell. Sorry, it might be the Leinster Senior Cup. I think Shell and No King were playing for Home Farm then. No King. Mm. It's funny because Shell's thought I think the Home Farm fans would be an easy touch and everything, and they were, uh, they were let's say they were bolstered by a large influx of Shamrock Rovers fans. On the <laughs> yeah, day. yeah, yeah, yeah. On the bandwagon for the day. Um, 24th September, the format of the League Cup was changed for the 75 76 season with teams meeting on a home and away basis in the first round. Three days later, the Rovers' poor start of the season continued. 4 1 defeat to Pats in the first round of the reintroduced Dublin City Cup. Yeah, and the Dol Murphy returned to Coventry, so he was gone. Gone, and then uh, after this 28th December, the year ended, and Mick Megan's hoops giving themselves a great boost when they beat Tour Place Cork Hibs, who were the big Cork team at the mm, time, am I right? Much, yeah. And a Milltown and a single goal scored by a young Ken Legros. Am I getting the pronunciation? Ken Legros. Ken Legros, yeah. and um, a young Alan O'Neill made his debut and goal for the first team in this game and he got off to a flying start with a clean sheet so the result lifted Rovers off the bottom of the table leapfrogged leapfrogged Sligo Home Farm and Pats and Shelbourne so so we were off the bottom of the table for now for now yeah 25th of January the 2-1 away win the Limerick in which Robbie Cook and Alan Lyons both scored <laughs> has to be the last win why does that hit why are you laughing we couldn't knew him you got to know, got to know Alan actually an absolute that arsehole <laughs> what <laughs> we, were, we were actually we used to go, we were like that age nice we'd go to dances and so we'd meet bump into him and he was in the Ireland on the 17th team I think with David O'Leary and all that. He's only like years old. Sure. But he, old we always ask him, like, Alan, like, who's your favourite team? Bose. Is that apart from Roberts? No, fucking hey, Roberts, it's Bose. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you are getting older now because you are 13. Oh, 17. We're drinking now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 13 yeah. for the three repeats. It was all niceties before. Oh, no, we're hanging out with the players now. Yeah. Now, now you're yeah. talking about going to dances. So you oh, are yeah. well, like getting older now. Well, we missed out things like come back in the trains and insulting <laughs> the players and that, you know, like Charlie Hendricks and them. them. You know, Charlie Hendricks actually used to play for Dundalk. And a friend of ours, Kevo, Kevin Higgins, he lives over in uh, Wales now. 
but uh, just set him up so beautifully. How are you, Charlie? You just played for Dundalk, didn't you? Or did you? Were you playing when they were beating 10 0 by Liverpool? Yeah, I was, boy. No wonder he bleed and lost. That's it. Drop the mic. So, 8th of February, he scored a hat trick for England against West Germany. So, um, in the memorable 1966 World Cup final, and here he was almost 10 years later scoring for Cork Celtic against Shamrock Rovers in the League of Ireland, it was Jeff Horst. So, Previously played for West Ham against the Hoops, Johnny Fulham, John Kyo, benefit game in 67 and was recruited by the Cork side for three games. A three-game contract, that's probably what it was, wasn't it? It's quite Mental. common back then, yeah. Scored once in the 3-1 defeat of the Dublin side of Turner's Cross, so the result left the Hoops toured from bottom and sliding further into the re-election zone. So so you guys kind of mentioned earlier, wasn't it? All these English you remember this players come back, so you had like... Yeah. Yeah, George yeah. Best never played against us. He played against Bowles, I think, and it was just I think it was always on a match by match basis. Mm-hmm. Like they'd get mm-hmm. a couple of hundred quid, which was a yeah. king's ransom. Actually, then, I yeah. remember one day, was it seven, no, around about November '75, I think. Uh, Rovers played Bowles. The game was uh, played at Milltown at half eleven on a Sunday morning. That's right. They had a because field, yeah. because shells were playing Cork Celtic in the afternoon in Harold's Cross, and George oh, Best was going to be playing. <laughs> Can you imagine half eleven? Of oh, course, we did it in Tallaght. Didn't we? Many score, years later. We scored after about thirty seconds in that game, McLeach, yeah, and we a, ended up losing the game. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, you but had. But you'd had them coming in, all right. Like, yeah, like, yeah obviously Bobby the Charlton Garden Banks one. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say Jeff Hurst, Bobby Charlton, Terry Venables. Um, that makes realistically, it makes a mockery of the league. Yeah, someone's coming in for a three. It was a quick fix to lose. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But Garden Banks oh. has been signed by Pats to play against Rovers for one game. One game. Like it's crazy. My favorite one is. You probably remember who did Trevor Brooking sign for? Uh, he was with he was, was one he of the Celtic. Yeah. Trevor Brooking considers himself a one club man, <laughs> even though right there on his CV he played a game for a car club. I'm sorry, in, a, in a league game, you're not a one club man. Yeah, yeah. in an in official you, league you game, you played for two clubs. Was it a domestic league game? And he's like, yeah. well, I wasn't it's paid. There you go. I wasn't yeah. paid, so I was a one club man. No. You played for two clubs. <laughs> Take the monetary issues out of it. You are a two club. Yeah. Facts are facts. 28th of March, Dundalk, under the astute guidance of player manager Jim McLaughlin, took another step towards the league title by training a route of the hoops at Milltown. So Rovers are firmly rooted to the bottom of the table with two games remaining. And what was the what was the feeling amongst the fans when this is all happening? I mean, you're rooted to the bottom of the table. Just We just we need to keep losing. After, just, considering yeah, just, this is after the six in a row 60s team, Mm. How does that yeah, feel? Yeah, we kind yeah. of we're, couldn't, we're couldn't get six points in a row. Maybe the Bills are that was it. Basically, they're your team. You still go. You're still loyal. You know. Like, you remember the time thinking still, like, you're still great crack going to away games yeah. and yeah. that. Yeah. So you thought yeah. you just thought uh, Rovers aren't going to finish bottom. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You know. I mean, get out of it somehow. At this stage, we've been going to the matches about seven years regularly, and we hadn't seen them win a fucking sausage. <laughs> and you're kind of thinking will we but like it's like it's supposed to be like fuck imagine following Rochdale you know they're never going to win anything they're yeah. never going to be in Europe so we're lucky in that way yeah, yeah. But that's the thing that's the attraction to League of as well because you have Europe you have Absolutely. potential of trophies yeah. I, I can understand like following Portsmouth and all these great mm. League yeah. 1 League yeah. 2 clubs but they're never really going to but it's not the point, is it? Yeah. Win anything, you don't you know? follow them because I think they're going to win a lot of yeah, trophies. It's just exactly, they're your yeah. team. The camaraderie yeah. more than anything Absolutely. as well, isn't Absolutely. it? Well, that's it. And, you know, we, I thought we were taught at a good age that, you know, you have to support your club through adversity. Absolutely. Because yeah. you're not going to really enjoy the good times for all if you the, haven't for experienced the bad. I mean, how it's a bad it sounds. For all how bad it sounds, we had a blast yeah, following Rovers time. in the 70s. It was the time of our lives. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was your formative years, wasn't it? Yeah, the formative years. You're a teenager. <laughs> like, you're not kind of going, 
Ah, oh, things are going to be much better in 20 yeah. years' time. No, no, it's just your yeah. Like, realistically, nowadays, I kind of fear for kids because, like, my kids, they'll come to the games with me and stuff like that, but there's so much to distract them. Oh, yeah. From yeah. the the bread and butter that yeah. is League of Ireland. Like, there's so much they can do. There's, like, there's MMA, there's boxing, there's all, there's all these activities and there's all other things they can we, do. We were in the zone mm. where you could it's swear... not necessarily the cool thing to do, ref- you know? Like, when mm. I was a kid, I could tell the referee to fuck off and people wouldn't slap me on the head, they'd pat me on the back, good hoop, good hoop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, it's just that freedom as a kid, you know? And but, like, I always say to, to my guys as well, I said, what you hear in the stadium stays there. Yeah. Mm. And it's simple. Yeah, as well as that, like, when you you're... You go there, it's an experience and you leave. But in your, say, early teens, it's also an experience of the adult World. Yes, yes, very much so. Yeah. yeah, and you're looking at things around you with, in, through a different scope. And yeah, it's just a quick. Just they say this: the worst period in Rovers was the, the the years we went without a ground, from the loss of Milltown to moving into Tallinn. They were some of the happiest years of my life. Yeah, like a lot when, of you talk about, when you talk about Big Deck and all that and all these the laughs we had during those yeah. those times, and nothing that could be on the field could ever replace that. Nothing. That's that's mm. rings true with a lot of a lot of hoops. That we spoke, like spoke it's not reasoning. all about the results at the end of There's the day. There's probably yeah. no worse decade as a supporter, like the crack you have going to the games. But clinically, worst decade maybe for league positions. Yeah, yeah. Fort- that's, that's just on pieces of paper. The forties yeah. yeah. and the seventies are probably the two worst. Mm. So I still say the two thousands. Yeah, we won nothing there. No, we were qualifying for Europe every year. But in terms of trophies, won we, we came yeah. second once. But a lot, a lot of fans, yeah. and we did have. Possibilities, like you know, yeah. indeed, you know, a lot of fans to take John's saying of our vintage, say that that their formative years was two thousand six. Yeah, in the Rally the, the yeah, Discover yeah. Ireland League, yeah, yeah. Jim Conroy says yeah. that's his favourite season. So and he's following great, fifty years. Year. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty. I mean, the whole thing was, I mean, that period was, people were kind of thinking, ah, this isn't going to work out. The fans are running rovers. Jesus, yeah. that's madness. You know. But it was a reset yeah, button. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a headline in the Evening Herald when the the guys took over, Jonathan Roche, Mark Lynch, um, all the, it was four or five guys. I was like, are these the most dangerous men in football? <laughs> so mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a headline. Uh, 2nd of April, we're following... Paul the Holland, actually. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Paul Holland. Um, following the dismissal of Mick Megan the former hoops manager Sean Thomas unveiled as the new man in charge general opinion in the game was that Megan's dismissal was a harsh one and a measly budget on which to work especially compared to his predecessors was expected to restore the fortunes of Shamrock Rovers to the club's heydays with a team of hardy out of school youngsters so a team of kids basically at this point Um, 5th of April most famous lady in Irish football, Mary Jane Cunningham, passed away suddenly at her home in Anglesey Row, Balls Bridge. So Mary Jane was buried at the Dean's Grange Cemetery in the family plot, along with the husband Joe and son Paddy. So were the Cunninghams actually, were they from Rings End? Because the club was formed in Rings End. So here you have the Cunninghams this is a owning the club from the 30s. Later on well, Mary on. Jane's father really rooted was, in Rings End. was involved in Rovers' early days. Right. So that's, that's where the link yeah. came from. 8th of April, a gallant effort against Drogheda in the evening game played under lights at Tolka Park. Proved futile as the county loud side edged out the hoops with a late goal. In an entertaining game, they finished 3-2. The result meant that Shimmer Grovers would have to apply for re-election for membership of the league for the first time in the club's history. So this is something that we're talking mm. about. Is It's pretty much, you're shy, you finish bottom, <laughs> and we'll let you back in. So this actually went to an AGM. But it was pretty much a formality. Well, it was just mm. like it happened every year, you know, yeah. and it wasn't going to change. 
Yeah, it's very really hard. Nobody wanted to be the ones to kick Shamrock Rovers out of the league, you know. Well, besides, there was nobody. There's nobody pushing. Nobody anyway, pushing, you know? yeah. Interestingly, at this AGM, so first order business, will we re-elect Shamrock Rovers? And yes. Also, from next season onwards, two substitutes were allowed. So up until this point, only one sub, yeah. and now two were allowed. So we're just basically copying England. Yeah, the well, substitution only came in the mid-60s. Like, I... Like no subs is I'm I'm fascinated by that because mm. the whole like so subs only started in the sixties when that right? intro, when mm. that got, obviously so subs were around when you started going so oh, I mean, yeah so it started one, in the sixties one yeah. yeah one and, sub and there yeah. was there was, it was basically if somebody got injured yeah like, it wasn't do you know what the rules were right first of all they had to be injured and second of all you could it only make the injured. it had to be injured mm. and you could only make the sub in the first half so subs subs substitutions were like a sissy thing type and do you know, know what happened in the mid 60s Roberts played Limerick and a Limerick player broke his leg in the 44th minute so if he had broke his leg in the second half they couldn't have subbed him because you can't make subs in the second half yeah. no nope, not at that time that. Yeah. That. subs were only a first half thing for the first couple of years then they relaxed the, the rules and they said Didn't okay make the subs when you want um, so the 7th of May it was just like the old days when Rovers and Drums did battle for the honours as a Rovers veteran 11 took on a bunny Fulham 11 at Milltown in a testimonial game in honour of Binny Lord so a crowd of several thousand attended the game biggest crowd of the season at Milltown so the biggest crowd of the season was a testimonial so that kind Jeez. of sums it up yeah to be honest with you my memory of it was that the crowd was very disappointing yeah really yeah because I remember thinking Billy Lord was one of my heroes yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. as a kid he kind of had this look about him like, uh, you know, like he was from, um, yeah, fucking Lord of the Rings. That was, yeah, that, was, that was the cloud of smoke around his head all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> I can still remember going. Like, ash. You'd be pointing that, up. That's all for the wood boy. But he was, but he was held in such great reverence. But he, yeah. he was and there. Was just, he was there at the start. It was just know? so sad was, that you know his testimony came start, at such a terrible time. Yeah. The club didn't. And there was such a poor attendance. I know, I know they, they say it's the biggest crowd of the season. We've always believed you know, that at any that stage. That sums up that season. I yeah. think. We've always should have had a Billy Lord stand in some ground that we played in. No, no man go. deserved it's it probably more. probably not no a bad shout now for the new yeah. North one, is it? Yeah. Um, we had a young Rosemount FC midfielder, Robbie Gaffney. He's signed by Shamrock Rovers. The to season him. came yeah. to an end. Did you know he <laughs> no, was the no. first ever player of the year? Yeah, yeah we were there. Yeah, we were there. Do you know who the young player of the year was? We never talked about Liam Buckley. No way. Yeah, we were there. He got, never, tr- got thrown out of Robbie's very uh, shy fella now he never he never, he'll never, he'll never mentioned that to you in the first <laughs> yeah, 10 seconds just half a Rosemount was there that night you know so so we're, we were at that yeah, Liam Buckley won the young player of the year That's that ages us now yeah. so we're just about to come to the end of part one of our 70 special but off air John says he wants to talk about two things one Lurid Stadium and two the Ajax jersey so what's this about John yeah well Lurid, Lurid Stadium it was where Drotty used to play there were no miracles in the Lourdes Stadium. Yeah. How, how uh, far was it from the Cornwall? It, it was basically across the road. The, okay. other, the, the, other side, the other side of the hospital. Oh, yeah. And, uh, God, it was such a kip. Old school. Even by League of Very Orleans. old yeah, school. Money more <laughs> wouldn't be known as, the, as, as a fantastic place to visit. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I remember one year, uh, back then, we used to get the train up, but the only train that could get you there in time for the game was at half 11. So you up and draw it at 12 o'clock. And, you know... At that stage, well, I remember, God, it was only about 13 or so. So uh, we couldn't go drinking and things like that. <laughs> so I remember it was Kevin Higgins and myself wandered up to the Lourdes Stadium. And uh, we were able to push a bit of the corrugated surround aside oh, yeah. and sneaked in. And we actually played football 
<laughs> on the heads of volleys. Can you imagine doing that now? No, going yeah. up to a league. You, you, imagine going to Tallis Stadium a couple of hours before a kick-off and having your own kicker kick about. Oh, I wouldn't have money. <laughs> it's mad, you know. And as for the, the, the infamous Ajax jersey, that was another kind trick. Uh, in order to make Rovers look cool, they decided to adopt... Uh, was he the, the Daniel Lambert of his time? Lambert-esque. Was he yeah. Daniel Lambert of his time? Well, we wait until Daniel sells the ground, you know. Oh, it's all, it's all, it doesn't matter again. Sold it twice. Yeah. But there was that, that kind of thing was... Wasn't it wasn't that unusual? I mean, you think you look at Leeds. They, well, it was they, stunts. It was always they, they, stunts, they adopted you know? the all white uh, from Real Madrid. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But uh, it was kind of weird seeing Rovers. I mean, come on the hit. Oh jeez, hang on, we're not wearing hoods. <laughs> come on uh, the stripes. And uh, it, never rain, it didn't it? go down. It actually went down so badly with the fans. It only lasted for a couple of games. I don't even know if there's any. Actually, any John photographs. Has, John has added something. I'd like to add something here. The one thing that happened an awful lot in the 70s which never happens now was the dog on the pitch oh yeah <laughs> this is one of the most <laughs> this fulfilling th- things in football this me. would I happen every other game in the 70s we could never work out every other game every other game in fact it happened so regularly that yeah. Rovers fans had a chant about Yeah, when the dog got on the pitch they started singing the Rover the Rover <laughs> But like every, I'm going. Eat you brought a dog in. No, mm. it's if it's if a dog is on the pitch, it's, it's, it's on the on the front corner of the yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think Louis. It, yeah, was, actually, yeah. was, this, dog, it was always a black sort of smallish yeah. joke. You know? Yeah, it's a wonder Louis didn't you know bring out season tickets for dogs yeah. back then. You know, <laughs> no, he, he, he didn't want to run buses for dogs. Yeah. It started. <laughs> trouble, yeah. Do you remember that story that Jim told uh, a few months ago that someone had a dog named after Jody Byrne? And he brought it to the game. Oh, and yeah, And then the dog yeah, yeah. ran off. And he goes, Jody, Jody, Jody. <laughs> And then Jody actually sat in front of the goal, turned around. He's like, what? So that's it, Gareth. That part concludes one. part one. It we was supposed to be one overall. We have done in one, but... Three hours and 20 years. We're in seven We have four more years to go. Four more years. And four very packed years as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We actually start winning things. But mm. I didn't want to... Don't want to spoil yeah. the end. Yeah. Ah, you're not the real... Spoiler alert. <laughs> so uh, we just want to thank the lads. And uh, lads, you've been fantastic. Thanks and very we much. we look forward to the next one. Thanks very much for asking. All right, us. cheers, Everybody was kung fu.